around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Thursday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. On the program with me today, very good friends, Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry, and Austin Scott. We've got a lot to discuss in the world of SEC and Auburn athletics, the national sports landscape as well, and a busy show full of guests on the program today. As coming up at 3.15, Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South talks to us about the college football world. Some television start times have been announced. NIL is always a topic of conversation this time of year. Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company, will join our show at 4.15. We'll have a monthly predictions update for you. We've got birthdays in sports. We've got a nightly TV guide. I mean, we've got it all planned for you on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Thank you for making us your first listen each and every day. 334-887-3401 if you would like to be a part of our program. Brooks, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. It is a kind of a dreary Thursday. Uh, most parts of the state are getting some rain today, but it's been dreary here all day. But we're still, we're still rolling along. SEC Baseball Tournament continues to roll on. Unfortunately, the Auburn Tigers weren't able to roll on with it. Uh, after yesterday, and um, it was talked about on the show yesterday, but uh, getting ready to see where they are going to end up in the NCAA tournament. Hopefully they can get a chance to host, but that that loss in that first round, I, I think, hurt their chances a little bit. I still think they've got a really good shot to host uh, the NCAA tournament. We'll find that out on Monday. Um, any Alabama baseball fans out there? That, uh, I know we got a few Alabama fans that listen to us, but Alabama baseball, Big upset last night over Arkansas, or yesterday evening, got the win, punched their ticket to the next round into the double elimination of the uh, SEC tournament, um, and they'll await the winner of Florida and Texas a and which is about to get underway uh, up in Hoover, finally, after a lot of rain. And then, of course, Atlanta Braves, another big win last night over the Phillies. They've taken two out of three so far from the Phillies, one more tonight to try to uh, hopefully win the series, if, if nothing else, to split the series against uh, one of your big division rivals before going into a big series this weekend against the division rivals Marlins at home. So can't wait to talk about all that. And, of course, as always, I always say we can't wait to talk to all of our callers on the show today. We'll see who gives us a call on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 888 9 Austin Scott, what's the good word? How How's are you, it sir? Going? Yeah, I'm glad to be back with you guys. Good to be hanging out with my friends. Uh, yeah, good night for the Braves last night. Uh, finally getting some runs put together and Dansby Swanson. Seems hot as a lightning rod right now. So that's what you like to see. Always, always. So yeah, good, good momentum for the Braves these days. And uh, yeah, happy to be back. Glad we got some great guests on today. Talk to me, Brent. How are you? Uh, I'm doing really good. Glad to be on the show. Glad to be on with Austin. Don't get it. Don't don't get to be on with Austin enough. Cause, yeah, you know, that's a good point. Yeah, he's. He, <laughs> <laughs> His appearances are limited. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, glad, glad to be on here with uh, with these guys and you yourself, JJ. Uh, yeah, great night for the Braves last night. A couple of thank you very much moments from the the Phillies defense, True. but you know the runs count just the same. So uh, absolutely, we'll take those. And, and you're right, Dansby. I, I saw a stat earlier this week, uh, earlier today, actually. 
Dansby started the season batting under 200 and is since batting like 350. He's up to like 289 on his batting average, something like that. So uh, he he is hot right now, and you know hopefully the rest of the Braves can follow him. And you know I, I don't expect Dansby to stay over 300, um, but you know if he can stay in that 270, 280 range, I think you're getting exactly what you want out of him, especially as good as he's playing on defense right now. So. Uh, great day for the Braves and a great day to talk about sports today. The Braves will play the Phillies one more time tonight in Atlanta. They're at Truist Park, and then they've got a three-game series with the Marlins, who they saw last weekend. So seven days later, they're going to start another series with them this upcoming weekend. Uh, last night, we didn't know whether or not that Braves game would be played because of rain in the Atlanta area. They kept the tarp on the field much longer than they typically do. Uh, and it seems as though they're in a similar situation. Well, it's just raining throughout the entire southeast. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. just bottom line. It's raining throughout the entire southeast. Uh, no, nowhere near to the extent of Hoover and the SEC tournament trying to be played. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see if those games can take place. Auburn football. We know the first three kickoff times for the Tigers. A couple of night games and then the Penn State game at 2.30 on CBS, Austin. Yeah, it looks like Auburn will start the year uh, with Mercer at 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus and SEC Network Plus. So that's the one game you got to fight a little harder to find on the TV, Auburn fans. Second game will be against, uh, who are we playing, Brooks? Remind me, San, San Jose, Jose State. San Jose, yep. Yeah. yep, San Jose State on ESPNU at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. And then as we found out a little bit earlier this week, Penn State comes to Auburn and CBS has selected that as their 2.30 game. Uh, I was really hoping that'd be the night game. I got it to go to. Be. I agree. I got to go it to Penn be. State last year. They did a great job. It was an awesome night atmosphere. I was really hoping Auburn would get to return that favor. Uh, should, still should be a rocking atmosphere. I think Auburn's going for an orange out to uh, combat the whiteout from last year. So um, yeah, good good uh, start to the year time wise for Auburn. And uh, hopefully they get one of those big conference games at night, too. We'll get to more football in just a moment, but you could be a part of the program by calling 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 Getting word here uh, that Jones from Panama City, Florida, just gave us a phone call, got a couple of buddies listening down there, and wanted us to talk about this Auburn baseball team as they're waiting their NCAA tournament destination. Regionals coming up for the Tigers. We'll learn who's going to be in the field for Auburn coming up on Monday. Monday at 11 a.m. Central Time will be the selection show. And unfortunately, the offense has tapered off a good bit. It's just all of a sudden not been as productive as it was to start the year. And uh, that's not a good sign of things to come for the Tigers. Just eight runs over their last four games. Yeah, you, you, you had that weekend series against Kentucky where they were a very middle-of-the-pack SEC team. But then they just got on fire. They took two out of three in in uh, Knoxville from the Tennessee Volunteers, who everybody knows is the best team in college baseball right now. Uh, and they have been all year. So they went up there and beat Tennessee, the only series loss that Tennessee has had this year. Uh, and then, you know, Auburn had to go play them. And you had you were coming off that weekend series against Alabama where you had won the first two and you had a really good shot at winning the third one. But then the third one gets rained out when you have – Bases loaded, one out, and your hottest hitter up at the plate in Blake Rambush, I believe it was. Uh, but, you know, then that game gets rained out. It gets canceled. Uh, and then the, the series against Kentucky, you're right, the offense is tapered off, but also Kentucky's so hot right now. Uh, and, and you just kind of run into a bit of a buzzsaw there. Uh, also, you've gotten, I believe, uh, Joseph Gonzalez has given up one run in his last 10 innings pitched, and you've lost both of those games. 
Uh, and it's because he's gotten rained out and he hasn't been able to go as far as he would have been able to go. And your offense can't keep up and the bullpen can't keep it at one run games. And, you know, you don't expect that out of your bullpen, but it's, it's a combination of bad luck and going cold at the wrong time for sure. And that is carried over. You've gone from, Hey, these guys have a really good chance to host a super if they can make it that far versus, you know, you're probably going to host a regional at this point, but it's, you know, you certainly don't know that. Uh, and it's really a, an unfortunate how, how fast this thing has turned around in about two weeks. It's going to come down to the offense. Bottom line, this offense has to pick it up because, Brant, as you said, the pitching has been stellar for Auburn baseball, like really yeah. improved yeah. as the season has gone on. You're in all of these games. You just don't have the runs to work with. I think some of these teams are figuring out how to pitch against this Tigers team. Sonny Deshira had a very bad month of May. It was one of our monthly predictions that we were kind of following and totaling, and we'll have more on that a little bit later. But the numbers are in. Sonny Deshira hit 154 in the month of May. That is only six hits in the month of May for the SEC Co-Player of the Year. Four of them were home runs, but <laughs> whoop de doo you hit 154. That's right. got to improve for Auburn. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I'm on, more on the optimistic side. I think Auburn still hosts a regional. Uh, I think they're going to drop down to that bottom four of the ones that will host. Our good friend Kendall Rogers, we've had him on the show plenty of times. He's got Auburn as the national 12 seed. Hosting a regional with Auburn playing College of Charleston as the four, and then Coastal Carolina and Florida State are the two and three in that regional. Uh, I think they'll still get to host that regional. A lot of Auburn fans really want that and are excited about that, but they're not going to go very far if the offense stays like it is. And like you mentioned, JJ, uh, I think they've been figured out a little bit, and they can pitch around Sonny um, and who's struggling in his own sight. So, um, yeah, Auburn's got to pick it up if they want to want to continue the hot streak they were on a little bit earlier this year and uh, go far in the tournament. At one point in time, Sonny DeShera, and that's the name we're highlighting here for the Tigers because he's the biggest name, one of the biggest names in the entire sport, was leading the entire country in batting average yeah, he, and he was one of the top run producers, well over 400, yeah, yeah. well over 400, and tops in the entire nation. He has mightily cooled off. And for Auburn, offensively, even when Sonny was at his absolute peak, there were moments and there were games where the rest of the lineup just wasn't picking him up the leadoff batter Blake Rambush leads the SEC in hits he's been solid and DeShera has been solid but there have been some hot and cold stretches for the rest of the bats in the order Auburn really needs Brooks Carlson who hits in the middle of that order another Sanford transfer as well to swing a good bat Brody Morris so experienced in that Tigers lineup playing the shortstop position you want him to be swinging a good bat uh, but it's it's just going to come back to offense. What can Auburn do offensively? And if the regional games are being played in Plainsman Park, you've got that to your advantage. Right. You can't have the excuse of playing in a ballpark that you're not as accustomed to. You said Blake Rambush leads the conference in hits. Yes. You, yeah, you'd think that'd be an automatic first or second all-team yeah. SEC. But, <laughs> you uh, would missed out not. on that one, yeah. Wasn't honored in, uh, in that regard. So uh, that's Auburn baseball. That's where they're at. And uh, that question was posed to us by Jones in Panama City. Appreciate him reaching out to interact with us here on the program. We're going to take our first commercial break of today's show. When we come back, Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South will join the program in just a moment. Do not go anywhere. Don't touch the radio dial. Keep the internet stream up and running. You're listening to the Abbey Award-winning sports talk show. This is Sports Call Auburn on WTGZ Tiger 95.9.
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM. J.J. Jackson with Brant Daughtry and Austin Scott. Brooks Childress, full studio on the program today. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. You can visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Let's use our Auburn Bank phone line right now to welcome on a good guest, a friend of the program. It's Connor O'Gara. From Saturday Down South, honored to welcome in here to Auburn and join us on the show today. Connor, we appreciate the time. How are things going for you and your world? Hey, everything's good. You know, I feel like just another ho-hum May in the SEC. We don't really have any coaches talking uh, really very much. It's just kind of kind of one of these strange times of year in which you, you wish there was more going on and there's just really not. It's kind of a shame. I know, yes, absolutely. I mean, here we are and we're looking at the calendar and, and folks are supposedly telling us that we're 100 days away from week one of the college football season and you're looking around thinking, well, there haven't been enough headlines for that to be the case. <laughs> so, so all joking aside, it really is kind of chaotic that we're 100 days away, Connor, and the season's going to be here before we know it. It's crazy to think about all that's happened in the last week and how that could set up for the rest of the year in college football with obviously Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher going back and forth the way that they have. But what does the future of NIL look like? Are we going to have this new this new uh, sort of uh, governing agency potentially down the road? Is, is the FBS going to break away from the NCAA and get somebody else to enforce these rules? What's the future of the sport look like? I think all of these these things are in play right now. Which of those topics piques your interest the most? Uh, you know, I mean, in the short term, Saban and, and Jimbo is fascinating. Just because, like, what, what I've been saying about this is Jimbo is one of the very few people on planet Earth that could actually stand up there and say what he said to Nick Saban. And I'm not even sure, like, outside of Kirby – who can really say that? Who could really respond to Nick Saban in that way? Because even if Dabo Sweeney was called out by Nick Saban, Dabo can't come back to Nick Saban and tell him, hey, I, I've been on your staff, essentially. I, I know what's under the hood, and you're not going to be able to, to tell me that, that I'm doing things wrong when I know the way that you operated. You know, Dabo had a chance to work for Nick Saban back in 2007 when he tried to hire him as his wide receivers coach. Dabo you know, kind of famously turned him down and stuck it out of Clemson which worked out well for him. But, you know, it's just kind of interesting to think of this, this dynamic at play now with two guys who have national championship rings who clearly are at odds about the current structure of the sport and the way that NIL impacts recruiting. And to see this play out now on the field this year is just going to be incredible. It was, it was a great game last year, of course. And, you know, we can only hope that we get a, a similar down-to-the-wire type result this year. And here we were, that was a week ago, and a week ago on Thursday, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, kind of reprimands both coaches, says, no, 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 not so fast, let's have respect for one another, yada, yada, yada. All of this, as you're saying and alluding to, and we all well know, is about name, image, and likeness. And here we are, about a year or so, we finished the first academic year 
that the name, image, and likeness platform was in play, in effect. And, and we're hearing more about the future of collectives and that sort of thing. I mean, truly, it's a big question to ask you and, and try to prognosticate on this, but what is the future of NIL? I don't think the future of NIL is capping earnings. I don't think that really makes a whole lot of sense when you invite all these antitrust lawsuits into the picture. I think that's a mess that they really do not want to get into. Now, where it gets interesting is is from, from an enforcement standpoint. Could we see perhaps FBS break away from the NCAA and then have somebody else that actually is able to follow these rules and, and say, okay, here's what NIL is, here's what it isn't. This is pay-for-play, this isn't. Can we get to a place where that happens? I think that's possible, and I think it's it's going to be needed. Otherwise, I think we're going to see this thing continue to get pretty crazy with the recruiting process. I, I don't really care about necessarily saying, like, here's what a player should make, here's what they shouldn't make, because I think there's going to be some market correction, and that's the thing that's not really being talked about enough, is that there have been some bad investments in this first year in which there weren't really those regulations and I think there are some, some benefits to having a capitalist economy in which you know usually water is going to find its level, and those business owners don't want to make those same, same bad investments. So I think that'll be part of it. But I, I don't necessarily think that we're about to see all these, you know, a salary cap or anything like that. I think the future is just going to be breaking away from the NCAA and having somebody else trying to enforce what exactly NIL is. Connor, let's stick with talking about the future of college football and bring it back to the SEC a little bit. Scheduling has been a big topic of conversation lately. Is there something you'd like to see, something, whether it's crazy or something, uh, a preference of yours of how the SEC does scheduling, whether now or when Texas and Oklahoma get here? I want the 7-1 model. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what I've been banging the drum for. And uh, I saw Ross Dellinger's report that the SEC is down to either the 7-1 model or the 6-3 the and three with the three uh, rotating home-and-homes. And look, I, I'm, I understand, you know, it, it would be a bummer not to have, you know, an Auburn, Georgia or an LSU, Alabama on an annual basis. But I, I think it's just absolutely absurd the way that the, the current schedule sets up. I mean, think about this. Georgia is not going to play in College Station against Texas A&M until 2024. Like, they still haven't done that yet. What's the point of being in the same conference if that's the reality of of like of, of really like you know two teams that are supposed to be you know yearly contenders. So for me, I think that's why I'd like to see the seven and one model. I think if you go to the six three, you expose yourself to the nine game conference schedule, which the SEC has avoided for a really really long time, all just because you want to keep these rivalries in place when you're still going to actually get to play those rivalries in the seven one model. It just won't be on an annual basis. So. Yeah, I'd be all in favor of that, and I'm fascinated to see the way this plays out once Texas and Oklahoma join the conference. Let's shift our conversation here more locally to our backyard, Connor, and obviously the work that you do is great with uh, Saturday Down South. He's on Twitter, at CJ O'Gara. Be sure to check him out there. How are you feeling about the Auburn Tigers as they get set to go into year two of the Brian Harson era? Uh, not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> uh, look, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, there are elements of this team that are that are really intriguing. I, I love the backfield. I love the idea of Tank and Hunter kind of being this great one-two punch. Uh, the idea of Robbie Ashford being used in this football player type role where he could maybe do a bunch of different things if he isn't the starting quarterback for Auburn. I talked about that the other day with Cole Kublik, and that's a subject that really interests me. 
Um, I think they got some nice pieces, you know, a linebacker. And I, I always feel like Auburn just cranks out solid defensive backs. So I'm not really worried about that. But, man, I can't envision a scenario in which this team goes like nine and three with T.J. Finley or Zach Calzada as the starting quarterback. I just can't. I, and to me, if I'm Brian Harson, that's what I'm telling myself that I need to be able to keep my job. I don't care how many statements the university comes out with. I don't care how many standing ovations I get at basketball games. I'm telling myself I have a job on the line, and I need to be able to get a top 15 season. Otherwise, that job will absolutely be in jeopardy. So for me, I look at those elements, and I just kind of scratch my head. I, I worry about all those defensive linemen that they lost to the transfer portal. I think number was up to, what, like seven or something like that. I mean, it just feels like this team has a lot of holes. And the SEC West, man, having those holes, uh, that, that's not exactly good news, especially when it looks like there are so many teams in this conference that are going that are going to be getting better this year. Connor, compared to uh, 2021, 2022 was relatively quiet when it came to changes in head coaches around the conference. Only two coaches uh, were hired, in Billy Napier and uh, Brian Kelly at LSU. Which of those two coaches do you think has the be- bigger year in year one? I think Brian Kelly has the bigger year one, but I, I won't be surprised. All this, this is going to sound like hedging. I won't be surprised at all if we look back on this hiring cycle and say that not just in the SEC, but in all of college football with all these flashy hires, that Billy Napier ended up being the best hire. And here's what I mean by that. I, I think Brian Kelly is, is built to be able to have a little bit more of that year one success from a roster standpoint. They did some really good things in the transfer portal, and I think they inherited a little bit more talent. Billy Napier was talking about Man, and he basically said before the end of, of spring ball, we need players. We need to go into the portal. We need to get some players because we can't even scrimmage right now because the, the depth is a major issue with what they're dealing with. I have very low expectations for their defense this year. I'm really intrigued by Anthony Richardson. But, you know, I, I look at this situation in LSU, and I think that rebuilding a roster at a place like LSU is a little bit different. And I think that they're going to be able to do some things in year one, whether it's Jaden Daniels or Miles Brennan as a starting quarterback, maybe even Garrett Nussmeyer. And I think that with the skill position talent that they have, they're going to be able to at least win one of those games that they shouldn't. Maybe it's seven, eight wins, something like that. Whereas Florida, I think it's going to have a little bit of a tougher time against that, that quality competition. But yeah, I'm optimistic about both. I thought both that were tremendous hires and it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if either of them ended up winning a national championship. Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South here with us on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. We saw recently you did a story doing one bold prediction for every SEC defense. And I know we talked a moment ago about the Auburn Tigers going into the second year of Coach Harson, a defense that lost uh, defensive coordinator Derek Mason. Harson's now got his coordinators there on staff. But uh, tell us about the defensive unit and what you're expecting out of Auburn there in 2022. Yeah, I, I just worry about that that run defense. I mean, the, the it's not so much like you can have you know you can have a, a couple of guys here and there that you feel like could be all SEC caliber, but you got to have depth. You have to have depth in this league, and if you don't have depth on the defensive line, you're going to be in you're going to be in some trouble. And with all of those guys entering the transfer portal, I mean, I thought it was a really big bummer that JJ Pegues ended up going into the transfer portal. I know he was somebody that had moved around a bit during his first few years at Auburn, but I, I think this run defense is going to be in, in some rough shape. And, and that's that's what I worry about. Over the course of the game, does it end up looking like, man, they just can't stop anyone because there are so many good offensive lines, so many good backfields in this conference that I think there's a possibility in which Auburn could allow 200 rushing yards a game 
and were kind of looking up going, man, they, they can't even get off the field. This is just a really tough watch in the post-Derek Mason era, and I kind of fear what this could look like you know, in a post Jacoby McLean world and seeing kind of what exactly that looks like for them. So I'm not optimistic at all about what they're going to be able to do on defense, especially with all the quality competition they're going to face. And then let's switch it over to the offensive side of the ball. And again, this is bold predictions that you had for the league within the SEC and Auburn, obviously our focal point here and go check out his work again on Twitter at CJ O'Gara. But to Auburn talking about Robbie Ashford, possibly being QB one for the Tigers by Halloween, the Hoover kid that transfers uh, from Oregon now playing for the Auburn Tigers. What intrigues you most about him? I can't tell if it's more of intrigue in Robbie Ashford or just wanting to talk myself into non-TJ Finley, non-Zach Calzada options or <laughs> probably a little bit of both. Um, and, and like, no disrespect to those kids, but I, I just think that Robbie Ashford, the unknown of that is almost more intriguing at this point. And I kind of wonder about the way that the schedule plays off with a pretty favorable start to the schedule, all things considered. I've seen that the idea thrown out there that it's it's not crazy to think that Auburn could be undefeated going into that game against Georgia, maybe college game days in the house. I can close my eyes and picture Kirk Herbstreit saying, good for Auburn for sticking with Brian Harson. <laughs> this is what this yields. And being like, well, we're probably overlooking how difficult the latter half of the schedule is, but Nonetheless, I think that there's a chance Robbie Ashford ends up being the guy by late October. You start to see that sense of urgency from Brian Harson. I don't know that he's going to be willing to make him the day one starter. And look, I get part of it. He's somebody who hasn't taken a snap yet at the FBS level. Though he was with my guy Joe Moorhead for the last couple of years at Oregon, so he's probably just you know waiting to be able to explode once he gets that playing time. So I think we we end up we'll end up seeing Robbie Ashford this year because I don't ultimately have a lot of confidence in T.J. Finley, in Zach Calzada, based on the sample size that we've seen them play against SEC competition. This was not where I thought the conversation was going to go at some point, but i got to take advantage of a moment. You saying my guy Joe Moorhead, and Connor also knowing that I've got someone in our studio here with a master's <laughs> degree from Akron University. I need to know what year one for Joe Moorhead and the Zips is going to look like in your mind. Uh, brutal, brutal, absolutely brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's not going to be great. It's not. Um, my guy Joe needs some time. He does. He needed more time at Mississippi State. He's going to need more time at Akron. I talked to him a few months ago. Um, I, I had him on the Saturday Down South podcast. He was actually dealing with COVID at the time. Um, so he was just basically recruiting nonstop. He was locked in. He was in the zone. That's what he does. But I, I, I still think I, I will not sell my Joe Moorhead stock. I think he's such a tremendous offensive mind. I think if you take him away from those Penn State teams in 2016 and 2017, it's just a much different story. I watched the way that they just exploded, and especially Trace McSorley was somebody who became a star in college football, I thought, as a result of the Joe Moorhead offense. So, look, year one in Akron, um, it, it, it's not going to be great. It's not going to be great. I did, I think, talk him into being – the two-point conversion guy. I think he's going to go for every single yeah. two-point conversion, and that's going to be his new brand. In this era of analytics, I think we're getting more and more in that direction. So, look, better times are ahead. I think my guy is going to need at least two, three years there to make Akron feel like it's worthy of watching in action, but I, I think the future is bright. Connor, as the aforementioned recent uh, Zip graduate, uh, I've, it was all remote. I've never set one foot on the campus of the University of Akron, uh, <laughs> but you have now provided me the ability to, whenever I want to join the bandwagon, I now will have some uh, talking points. 
uh, plenty of room, man. There, there is, there's plenty of room on this Moorhead bandwagon. <laughs> all, everybody got off. Look, every, I, I've been on the Moorhead bandwagon for, for a long time. The first time I ever went on the Paul Feinbaum show, I said, my guy Joe Moorhead in year one at Mississippi State is going to win 10 games in the regular season. Paul still jokes about it to this day. He's like, <laughs> still gives me crap about it. It, it. it was something I had to live down. They should have probably won 10 games. That first year he was there going into 2018, a couple of bad bounces, eight regular season wins, but that's neither here nor there. I'm a believer in Joe. It's just going to take a little bit of time. He's got a lot of – he's got a roster to overhaul. I mean, Auburn Auburn saw last year. Like, Akron was was, was pretty sorry. I mean, Joe's <laughs> going to need – he's going to need some time to get his system in there, and then they'll be just fine. Connor, we have greatly enjoyed this visit. It's been a whole lot of fun chatting with you, and we're not going to make this uh, your one and only stop here on Sports Call. We look forward to doing this again soon. Looking forward to having you on the show in person at SEC Media Days. You mentioned the Saturday Down South podcast a moment ago. I'd like you to promote that. Tell me about a couple of more recent uh, episodes that you've had or maybe preview some coming out soon. Yeah, we I appreciate that. We could, we could definitely make that happen. Um, yeah, Saturday Down South podcast, we're, we're doing one a week for like up until Media Days, but we usually are two, two times a week podcast, and we've had... Uh, we had Ari Wasserman, uh, the Athletic, on this past week. We've had we've had some really solid guests lately. Keith Marshall came on the show, former Georgia tailback. R.J. Young, Brett McMurphy came on. Adam Brenneman, who's doing some great work um, in, in the sports media world, former coach, former Penn State tight end um, as well. So, yeah, we've had a lot of different people on. It's been a lot of fun to be able to do that. We're going to continue to crank out good content throughout this offseason. You, you guys know how it is right now. Amen. Perfect. Well, we appreciate the time, Connor. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. That's Connor O'Gara, Saturday Down South, joining us here on the program. First conversation. I promise you that won't be the last. That was awesome. Didn't think we'd go into as big of a deep dive on Joe Moorhead and the Akron Zips, but... Look, you never know what to expect with it. It is talking talking season. (laughs) And that's my favorite part too, Austin. You never have stepped foot in Akron, Ohio in your entire life. Go Zips, Go Zips with a master's degree. It's amazing. Let's take a break. We're back with more Sports Call right after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is Jake Crane, host of The J-Boy Show, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. JJ Austin, Branton Brooks, all inside our studios here on South College Street. What do you think of Connor O'Gara, Brooks? Very informative. Uh, I think we've seen. We've never talked to him, but we've seen him walking seen around, him all around. Uh, media days for the past few years. So really, really informative. Uh, maybe we'll actually introduce ourselves this year. Maybe. We we'll can see. do that. I'm kind of shy, though. Well, I know. You just, I'll yeah, take the lead. You just said that you want to have him at media days, and he applies. So right. So one I'm of you is going to have to make the first move. I'll there. make the first yeah. move. I'm kind of shy. I'll, I'll take one for the team. Side. Yeah, I got it. All right. Well, maybe, maybe you can have him and Tiger Jake on. Yeah, oh, I like interview. that. I like that. We posted a graphic, uh, our name cards, we call them, online. And uh, one of the photos is Connor O'Gara holding Tiger Jake, uh, the dog that is painted like a tiger, 
And he actually wrote a really good profile about Tiger Jake for Saturday Night South. So make sure you uh, check that out. Check out their podcast. And he had some bold predictions for every team in the SEC. We're only going to go over the Auburn ones. Go read his work. Check out the other ones. But on the defensive side of the ball, his bold prediction for Auburn was the worst run defense in over a decade. And the bold prediction for the offense was that Robbie Ashford would be your quarterback by Halloween. Again, these are bold predictions. He knows what that means. Right, right, right. Um, so is our know. friend Deshaun Davis. Right. We love that segment <laughs> when he would do those. Yes. Uh, but th- those are, I mean, those are interesting bold predictions to have. Those are interesting. I, I feel like the defensive one is very bold, even though I, I can un- kind of understand where he comes from because Auburn has had very good defense. Well, not very good defenses. Well, actually, I guess in the, the early Gus Malzahn days, the defenses were notably terrible um, in some cases. But I, I think Auburn's de- run defense has a chance to be really, really good. I think that the defensive line is very solid. You've got Colby Wooden, who is – a top five defensive lineman in the league. Jason Jones is going to be a plug-and-play guy at nose. Uh, Derek Hall is a, an edge rusher, but he can still play the run pretty well. Uh, and he's right. You you absolutely need depth at those places. But that that's what Auburn has gone and gotten in the, in the transfer portal recently is a lot of depth on the defensive line. And then you look at linebacker, you've got a new face in Eugene Asante. You've got a returning fourth year. Is he a senior now? I, I, Papo? Oh, and Papo, this is his fourth year in Auburn. He is a, Correct. Yeah, he's yeah, same class as Bo Nix. Yep. That's right. Yep. He's a, so he's coming into his fourth year in Auburn, and he's projected to be really good. I am very high on Wesley Steiner. The more I the more I read about him, the more I go. The, the, the problem is not effort, ability, or intelligence. He's just got to Kind of, he's just got to kind of get acclimated to SEC football, and once he does that, I think he's going to be a freak. Um, you know, broke a lot of Owen Papo's athletic scores, um, and Owen Papo was the most quote unquote most athletic linebacker ever. Um, so, I, I think Auburn's run defense is going to be fine. And he's right again. He's right that you need depth. Depth will be an issue, but when the starters are out there, I think Auburn's going to have a very, very good defense. So, which of the two are you see more likely as the as happening? If we're going to if we're happen- going to play the game, they're both bold. Yeah, and we admit that. But which one of the two would you be more likely or least likely to be surprised by? I would not be shocked if Robbie Ashford becomes the starter. I, think I'm I still in the same boat. I th- I still think it's going to be Zach Calzada, mm-hmm. but I I think he's right. I think Robbie Ashford impressed a lot of people in the spring, myself included. I did not expect him to be that good, but uh, he really balled out in the spring game. And apparently, uh, during spring practice, like all of spring practice, he was apparently very impressive. Now Zach Calzada has not played any live snaps yet, and quarterbacks live is relative, but. You know, I, I still think that Robbie Ashford is making a push to be second. I think your starter is going to be either Zach Calzada or Robbie Ashford. Uh, I think TJ Finley is going to kind of fall to their wayside, and I don't think that uh, Holden Gurner is ready yet. So I, I think it's going to be coming down to those two with the other two as the, the reserve guys. But I wouldn't be shocked if Ashford, by the, by the end of October, is the full-time starter. I, I, would, I would go opposite there. I, I think if, if one has to be true, of the bold predictions, again, like we're saying, I, I think it's more the worst run defense in a decade over Robbie Ashford because of the fact that right now he's quarterback number three for you. So are you really going to get into a spot with Finley and Calzada? Do you think that they've tiered the quarterbacks yet? You've no, got an idea. But you've got an idea. Yeah. And I think that they came into the year with TJ Finley having played at the end of the season. Zach Calzada beat Auburn. Actually beat Auburn in a football game head to head on the field, and more impressively, and beat Alabama. Alabama. So 
like, I mean, if we're if you tier the quarterbacks right now and I'm forcing you to tier them, would you not have Ashford three? I would have him two. Ahead, ahead, of, I, ahead of Finley. Calzada one, Ashford two. Yeah, that's, and that's where it is And they're just going to jump head. right in front of the guy that's been the guy. Well, yeah, because the guy who's been the guy, God bless him, I have nothing against TJ Finley, clearly did not cut it last year. Very right. clearly in his playing time was not good enough. He started, what, six games, five games? He started enough to get a large sample size, and you went, yeah, this isn't, this isn't the guy. Uh, and now it, maybe he's fixed it because the guy has all the talent in the world as far as he can throw it as far as you could ever want a quarterback to throw the right. ball. But he has no idea where it's and, going. And just so for that reason that in my head, again, this is talking season as we told of Connor O'Gara, in my head, I see Ashford as the number three guy. If we're saying one of these bold predictions comes true, it's that it's the worst SEC run defense that so Auburn's what, had so why do you think in over a decade. And I could just continue reading his point here. Uh, he actually has a, a fun joke here where he says, by the time you finish reading the sentence, Auburn probably lost another defensive lineman in the portal. Uh, <laughs> they got since, all those guys back. Or since they the got Iron Bowl, guys. Since the Iron Bowl, the Tigers lost seven defensive linemen slash edge rushers. On top of that, Auburn lost defensive coordinator Derek Mason and defensive line coach Nick Eason. And in just in case that wasn't enough, Sakobi McLean is off to the NFL. Auburn actually fared well against the run in 2029, finishing number 29 nationally, which allowed just eight rushing scores. But with so much turnover, I worry that it could be the worst run defense since the 2012 group allowed 198 rushing yards per game. Okay, a couple, a couple of points here. One, seven guys transferred out, yes. I, I saw that list a couple days ago. Like, four of those guys never played. One of them was Daniel Foster Allen, who was a guy who never saw the field, and there were several guys like that. J.J. Piggy's leaving. That hurts. I think he's got a chance to be a really good defensive tackle. Um, but, you re- again, Jason Jones, the kid you got from Memphis last week, you're getting replacement pieces for the guys that actually played, and the other guys that left have gone on to smaller college football. Uh, so they were never going to seriously contribute anyway. Uh, yes, you lose to Kobe McLean. That really hurts. That really hurts. Make no mistake. But you've got guys like Cam Riley and Wesley Steiner who are young. You brought in Eugene Asante from North Carolina as another depth piece. Um, I'm not saying that the run defense is going to hold guys to under 75 yards a game. I don't. I don't know. But I don't think. It, I certainly don't think the defense is going to be worse than those 2014, 15, 16 defenses. That's what it is for me. It's not so much about Robbie Ashford being, you know overtaking the starting quarterback role it's that the worst Auburn run defense in a decade over a decade is that's really really bad yeah and like I don't I don't see that uh just I know we've lost a lot and and you know a couple of those guys came back Marquise Robertson is one of those guys who was classified as in the portal of, of seven players he never transferred anywhere and came back uh and that's a major depth piece um th- I'm not saying they're going to be good and I'm not even sure they're going to be you know, quality, but I, over a decade is bad, bad. You're, you're and including some really bad defenses in that, really including bad. if you say over a decade, you're including 2012 in that, and we all agree that is the worst Auburn football team in the modern era. Yeah, and I so I that it's more for me that I'm not buying, I'm buying the more Ashford one just because I if that is true and they are, have the worst run, de- and it's bold, we admit that, if they have the worst run defense in over a decade. It's going to be a long year. These Woo. were these were Connor O'Gara's bold predictions yeah. for Saturday down south. He did one offense, one defense for every team in the SEC. You posed the question, Austin, if yeah. one of those were to be true, which would it be? I just, I'm, I'm still in the mindset that as awesome as I think Robbie Ashford is, 
and I think that I mean I'm you guys know I'm the swag police around here, and I would endorse swag him being the quarterback police. all day, every day. I I, I, I don't. I, you just, can't you can't say swag police and just move on like we're supposed to accept that and be okay. It's just a thing. I you mean, hear him say, Brooks, you hear him say, you guys know that yeah, I'm the swag police. You guys know we're the swag police. That entire sentence takes away a lot of credibility. Am I the man. swag pe- police? I don't swag, know. Swag. Swag pull you like do I care the most about swag? <laughs> you care the most about swag of anybody. Yes, here. and I, don't I make know that note like Ryan in if, if Ryan was in one of these chairs, he would not rebuttal whatsoever. I he just would think say, it's funny. All right. If Trevon was in one of these, he would not rebuttal whatsoever. But yep, that's a fact. I just think it's funny. I feel like between you and Trevon Reed, which one of you like has more swag? Like I don't Well, I'm not saying that I have swag. I I, just know who does. Speaking of Javon Reed and and swag, uh, go ahead, Austin. I'll I'll bring this up in a minute. No, no, no. You're fine. I was just saying JJ is is clarifying he knows how to judge the swag of an individual. Okay, that's fair. Speaking of Javon Reed and swag, I've always wanted to ask this question. What the hell was he thinking wearing loose sleeves? I love that is always oh, bothering oh, wait, 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 me. Wait, 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 I have always It's time for that. sports call history here. This is absolutely sports call history. It's time for sports call history here. And, you know, God, I wish he was. Also, I hope he's listening. Also, I, I've always, I wanted to ask Trevon Reed that question. You've also never met him. I have never met Trevon. I've always wanted, I wanted to, I've always wanted to ask him that question. It might be strike one. If I were to face time It's time for sports call history It is, in my humble opinion, not a good look. When Trevon Reed... Joined the show many years ago, probably like three. When Javon Reed joined the show <laughs> many the years ago, back in the days of yore, back in the days of yore, many Hiawatha moons ago, <laughs> Travon Reed joined the show, and this mere Austin Scott Akron Zip graduate called into the show and declared his love for Travon Reed's baggy sleeves. That's right. Mm. Very first conversation yep. with Travon ever, ever. Mm. Trevon and I started a beautiful friendship, one that I probably think of more highly than he does. <laughs> and this was right before Trevon was set to join the XFL St. Louis Battlehawks. Right. Trevon Reed then, after our discussion and me telling him how me and a select group of college friends thought the world of Trevon's baggy sleeves, to which he told us were because he an XL got put in his locker or a double XL got put in his locker and he rocked with it. Right, that's, then, fa- that's funny. Trevon then invited me to a St. Louis Battlehawks game in St. Louis. I never got to take him up on that offer because because COVID canceled the XFL, the XFL is the XFL. R.I.P. But uh, yeah, the the baggy sleeves are a main talking point on this show, and uh, I, we will not hear any slander yeah, of it. That's this that's, podcast will not have baggy sleeve slander. It's very funny that he didn't ask for it and just like the wrong shirt got put in his locker and he said, "All right, this is my thing it's, now." It's something like I was that. Like, I've never seen that before, and I have not seen it since. And I want to say it was the Kansas State game. It was something mm-hmm. like he it was he request it was a little bit chilly or something, like, and he requested a long sleeve, and exactly somebody right. put like two XL in there, and he was like, "All right, this will work." Because he was like what like one eighty five at the time, I guess. But and dude that was made out. for like a 340-pounder. That baggy sleeves started when Trevon Reed was on defense, and he made it to the league with him. That's true. Don't change who That's you true. are. Don't change. That's and the I definition like, I, of swag. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, it didn't look good. I'm just saying I myself would never wear those. It was unique. Those. It was unique. Well, that's good. It was unique. I don't know where we were going before. You were talking about swag, police. <laughs> that's true. 
And we're almost out of time here I in the first hour of the I want to hear Brooks's opinion first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brooks I was going to say, can I, can I inter- interject my opinion here on the, yeah, on I the mean, subject? If one of the two has to be true, is that that's what the question was posed. Yeah. I think it's more likely it's the defense that gives up. Because you look at, I, I also would put Robbie Ashford at the third tier. Because TJ Finley has been in the system for a year, Zach Calzada is a more experienced quarterback than Robbie Ashford. Robbie Ashford may be a much more talented quarterback than either of them athletically. But you look at, you know, I... I you know, we've never really been the biggest TJ Finley defenders, but you look at the three games he was the true starter for that Bo Nix was not available for. South Carolina, Alabama, Houston, Auburn lost all three of those games by a combined 10 points. So it, it wasn't the best offensive performance, but all three of those games were one score football games at the end. I think, you know, I, I think it would be no there's so much play you win but all three. There's of them. so much turnover on that defensive side of the ball. You've got a new defensive line coach, you've got a new defensive coordinator, new schemes, new systems in there. You're are replaced. I know there's a lot of guys that brought in from the transfer portal, but it's still you're replacing a lot of guys on that defensive front seven and if one of those two had to be uh had to be true, I, I think it'd be more likely to be the defensive side. Appreciate Connor Rogera from Saturday Down South stopping by. If you missed that conversation, you can find it right after this show is over. It'll be posted on our social media feeds and on our podcast platforms. When we come back, we've got Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company. In hour number two, we've got birthdays in sports, a TV guide. Let's talk monthly predictions and more. All of that straight ahead here on Sports Call. Alongside Austin Scott, Brent Daughtry, and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Austin Scott, Brant Autry, and Brooks Childress as we are coming to you live here in Auburn. Appreciated Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South for being on our show in hour number one. Coming up here in about 10 minutes, our good buddy Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company, will stop by to be on the program. Uh, on tomorrow's show, Tom Green from AL.com will have a visit with us. We'll also have Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network joining us on Sports Call as well. We're hopeful that the Atlanta Braves can play a baseball game today. Uh, but a uh, good bit of rain there in the Atlanta area. So 
we shall see if we're going to be able to get that game in effect. As we talked about before the conversation with Connor O'Gara, uh, Auburn and the entire college football world with ESPN and their television partners have been able to announce the first three weeks of the season in terms of kickoff times, television channels, and so on and so forth. Auburn's got two night games and then a 2.30 p.m. Central kickoff on CBS to open up the year, their third game of the season against Penn State. So two night games and then the, the Penn State afternoon game, guys. Yeah, uh, and you're kind of getting screwed out of after last night. After last year, you had to play a night game in Happy Valley. Um, you really wanted to to give them the return trip and say, "Hey, this is the SEC at night. You showed us yours. Now we'll give you ours." And you really wanted to have that return trip, but CBS said no for some reason. Uh, it's it's brutal, especially after you have Mercer and San Jose State at night the two weeks before. Uh, and then you have that Penn State in the afternoon. It's going to be a million degrees. Um, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but I'm upset about it. It's still going to be an incredible atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. It will. I, I it could, will, you could but make, come on now. You could make the argument that a 2.30 SEC kickoff is just as loud as a night game in Penn State. Like, you can make that argument. All the hype around could, the game yeah, and all I, the TV the partners best, that are there. The and best game from the best conference is at 2.30 CBS And that's CBS why CBS week. wanted to do this. They're like, I, okay, I understand. we get to choose any game, we're going to pick this one. I understand, but I'm still upset about it because the, as good as the atmosphere is at a 2.30, it's better at a 6. It, it is objectively a better atmosphere at 6 at night, uh, at least in my experience. Uh, and so I... I would rather it be a night game, and I understand. You know, you, you have you're bringing them down here in the heart of summer, um, coming from Pennsylvania to Alabama. That is a that is a heat they're not used to. So you can argue that's a competitive advantage, um, and the atmosphere is still going to be great. I have no doubt. First big game of the year. It's probably going to be a sold out stadium, especially if you do what you're supposed to to Mercer and San Jose State. If you don't, you have bigger issues. Um, so it, it's it is what it is. The but, thing too is like they're gonna pick the best schedule because they're they're look or the best game of the week because they're looking for the best matchup because that's an expensive yeah. spot. That week does not feature a whole lot of great matchups. You know, there's not many in conference anyway. But you've got Georgia, South Carolina, Miami goes to A and M, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and then, of course, you've got Ole Miss goes to Georgia Tech. But then, of course, as we talked to Connor, you, you've got the Akron Zips going to Tennessee, which really could have rivaled uh, getting that 230 <laughs> spot uh, right. objectively. But, um, yeah, so it makes sense to me, and it doesn't really surprise me. I'm with Brand. I kind of really wish that it had been at the night game. I went to that game last year, like I said, and I really wish that you know we could return the favor and kind of show on equals. Um, but I think people are going to be amped up too. You know, you'll get to the fourth quarter, and it'll, the lights will be coming on. <laughs> Uh, and it'll be dark, and it'll still be a lot of fun. But um, the biggest difference is, is probably going to be that heat. Uh, it was warm up there in Happy Valley, but uh, middle of September down here, uh, the heat is going to be a little hotter with a little more humidity in the air. Yeah, I was about to say, you. I mean, you. I, it objectively disappointed it's not a night game. But, you know, you get every year or every other year, you get Georgia and Alabama coming into Auburn, and those are always 230 kicks, when it, when it's, especially when it's played at Auburn. And those atmospheres are the top top in the conference when you get those games at home, especially if but if Auburn's in those games yeah. uh, in a two thirty kick, the the student section still shows up for that. I know it gets dark a little bit earlier, back in no, you know right. late November when those games are typically played. But I, I don't know. I, there's not going to be much of an atmosphere loss because it's played at two thirty instead of six. I mean, I agree. The, the only thing that you lose is, and the only the only difference I think is the two differences is the heat. You get a little bit more heat in the afternoon for that September game, 
and you've got Brad Nessler instead of uh, Chris Fowler calling the game. Yeah. I think that's your biggest And difference. I think the biggest thing that you see Auburn fans mad about, if we're being completely honest, is having to sit in the sun yeah. Yeah. at 2.30 in September yeah. Yeah. when at least you get a little bit of a break because <laughs> you get there at 4 instead and it's not as hot. But I'm with Brooks. It's going to be rocking. It'll be Auburn's first big game of the year, hopefully after two very easy wins on Mercer and San Jose State. Um yeah, it'll it'll feel like real football season. And you know, I, I looking at the rest of it, you know, you like you said, six o'clock kickoff for Mercer. I again, it's the same thing we did last year. Auburn kicked off six yeah. o'clock. Yeah, ESPN Plus against Mercer or against uh, Akron last year. You. I know, you know, a lot of people were not happy about the ESPN Plus game, but everybody gets one of those nowadays. Um, but you know, Auburn gets it out of the way early. That's right. It's the first game of the year. You get get that Mercer game out of the way because that's the that's your weakest opponent on your schedule. Because I know you still play San Jose State and uh, Western Kentucky, but those are two FBS schools. Yep. Those are two bigger schools. So you get your FCS opponent out of the way on the ESPN Plus, and then. You kind of get relegated to ESPNU with that 6.30 kickoff the next week against San Jose State. But still, I, what is this, the second time they've come to play at Auburn? They played, uh, was it 2014? When we were in college, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. 2014 they played here. And so it's going to be a, a two fun games to kick things off, get get a little bit of a night taste in there, and then go to go to that 2.30 kick. And then you enter hot and heavy into conference play as you hit four in a row with Missouri, LSU, Georgia, and Ole Miss before you get a bye week. Yeah, and we were talking in the break if Auburn will get one of those night games uh, in conference play at home. Uh, the only one they got last year was Ole Miss, and they won it. Um, but that, that was a great game. That was a great game. That was a great atmosphere. That was Halloween, maybe. Yeah, right it was around. Halloween yeah. weekend. Was yeah. Halloween weekend because you were facing Lane Kiffin on Halloween night. That's right. No, it was just like something weird's going to happen. It was the day before Halloween because Sunday was Halloween. You're right. You're, you're right. Yeah. I remember that day because that's I'm going to be I completely engaged. honest with you. It was Game Three of the World Series. Yes, and <laughs> I was more invested in that. But it was both were great games. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so let's we, not run over that. He just said he remembered that day because it's the day he got engaged. Brooks yeah. did get engaged. Gosh, I missed that. On that's Sunday, right. Halloween, yeah. 2021. I'd forgotten like, that's He knows what it was. that Halloween was on Sunday. Yeah. He knew you Grace. got engaged. He knew yeah. what day it was, Grace. He remembered. That's right. I remember it. <laughs> yeah, she's don't, listening don't right ask, Don't ask him my anniversary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, so there we go. We, uh, we know kickoff times, and yeah. uh, we'll obviously now. It's fun because you're like, okay, what what other times are games going to be? But now we jump back into the college football season, and you realize that, hey, it's always 10 days before kickoff that you typically find out what time the game is going to be playing the following week because they try and make the big selections for TV, which makes sense. It's just you can't really plan that far I wonder if when ESPN takes over the contract from CBS, if that'll change, at least for the SEC. Because it'll just basically be ESPN scheduling it themselves. Like it'll just be their yeah. channel designations. So you're not having to wait for CBS to make their selection. Good point. You're I mean, maybe well, you we could look out ahead. It's I'm, I just I don't know. I think they would still value like let's see let's how the seasons see, yeah. are going for some of these teams to know truly what are the bigger games going to be. You don't be. think we'll know any of them? Maybe like a pre- couple more. Probably the first two if yeah. they stay the cupcake games. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I was about to say that maybe they, they like some of the game like you know Vandy Missouri they'll be like all right we're gonna go ahead and designate right. but you get like a combination of two or three games that they're like yeah we could do this for our game day game they wait a couple more days and do they do we know if they'll keep it like around two thirty as the prime time game or will I don't know what that what uh, they've they've set up with that one but I see what's like okay in the future can we just say what time the Iron Bowl is gonna be way like before year. we have to wait yeah. until. Yeah. Ten days beforehand. Am, am I uh, am I the only one who wants the primetime slot to be later in the day? 
like 2.30 I get is like the middle of the day. Everyone's going to be watching at that time. I feel like best college football is played at night. Like, yeah, let's have kickoffs at like four or five. That's fine. Maybe six. Yeah. That's 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 always how I felt. It's just like those late night games, and then you know you ha- then you can go home and watch the Pac-12 do what it does. Yeah, uh, which is always a great time. Speaking of getting to know those games, like can we know when the Auburn Alabama game is every year? I was looking through Connor O'Gara's Twitter account, and he actually took a stab at the other two thirty games the rest of the year, and his he was saying it'll be Auburn Alabama even in twenty twelve when Auburn was over in the SEC. It was it was the the SEC yeah. game of the week, and so he predicted that that'll be the same this year. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'd be interested to know if ESPN, what their feelings are. If they like it later, will it be more like 3 o'clock or 4? Yeah. Uh, or will they kind of value the 6 o'clock game too? So I was reading the ESPN article by uh, Alex Scarborough when the deal got done in you know December 2020. Beginning in 2024, ABC will air an SEC game every week, including a regular late afternoon kickoff, and will have the option to feature an SEC game on ABC's Saturday Night Football. So Mm. they're going to – I think that they're going to look at all their – because they've got media deals with, you know, other conferences. So they're going to look and say, if it's like a big, big game, like, you know, you've got another game of the century, Alabama-LSU, they'll be like, all right, 6 o'clock ABC. But if not, they're going to keep them at that late afternoon 2.30 kickoff time. But you can't have both. No, I I don't – Kind of like the CBS doubleheader deal. Unless you did a CBS doubleheader. But I I feel like they would continue to – they wouldn't want to show SEC biased yeah. and look at all the games because, you know, they, they do Pac-12. They have, have got everything. some big Pac-12 games. They've got big uh, Big Ten games. I think the only game that they don't get first is the Big 12. Yeah. I think That's what I was – as long as we never go Saturday. to the big game at 11 a.m. like Fox <laughs> does. No, I can't do that. I'm amazed they do that in the heat of – Texas and Oklahoma and all those places. We need to take our next commercial break of the program. When we come back, our good buddy Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company, joins the program right after this on Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson here inside the studio with Austin Scott, Brant Autry, and Brooks Childress. We're having a fun Thursday so far, and we're thrilled to be able to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a good friend of the program, Jake Crane. He's now the host of Crane & Company, and he's back on the show with us right now. Jake, appreciate the time as always. How are you on this May 26th? JJ and crew, I'm doing great, man. Uh, always fun to, to come on here and chop it up, and we're getting closer and closer to football season, so I'm uh, doing good. A hundred days away. I mean, is this something that you're counting down every single day, Jake, or you just, like, surprise me when the season's right around the corner? Well, you know how people during Christmas have those calendars that have the chocolates in them, like the 25 days of Christmas? 
It's yeah. kind of like that, but with a 100-day calendar. So that's how I wake up every morning. That's a good way to start. Is, uh, obviously, you want to get closer to the college football season. It's definitely talking season. We're seeing Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban go back and forth. Uh, what was your take on all of that? You know, Nick Saban makes nothing but calculated moves, but I do feel like this was a little bit personal. Uh, that's why I think when you saw Saban come out and say that he shouldn't have singled anybody out, because let's really think about this. Jimbo Fisher, before the season last year, he's the protege of Nick Saban, told a group of donors that they were going to beat Alabama while Saban was there. And then they did it. So not only did you say you were going to do it, then you did it. Then you went and signed the number one recruiting class, which is what Nick Saban is the greatest in the world at in recruiting. Whether that be NIL or, or not, obviously it had an effect. It's kind of like the trifecta of, of a personal, uh, you know, vengeance uh, toward Jimbo Fisher because Jimbo was also the first assistant that beat him uh, of his in the past. It wasn't Kirby. It was Jimbo. So I think it was a little bit personal. Yeah, I, I forgot about that angle of it, to be honest, because that was obviously a very big storyline that, hey, this is the master. None of his former assistants have ever beat him before. But then Jimbo does with Zach Calzada, we might add, here in Auburn. He's able to finally defeat Nick Saban as a former assistant. I hadn't thought about it in that way, Jake. Yeah, well, it's, it's really the Star Wars, Star Wars rule. I mean, Jimbo's now Anakin, you know, Obi, Obi-Wan Saban. He thought he was the chosen one, and then, you know, he hits him with the lightsaber and he disappears. So he, he's got to come back fighting. <laughs> no doubt about that. All right, let's talk about the Auburn Tigers as they get set for this 2022 season. Uh, it's obviously talking season, as we alluded to. So if we were to put you in our position here, Jake, and all of a sudden you're responsible for talking to the Auburn football masses for three hours a day throughout the summer, what what's the biggest talking point that you've got for this football team? You know, you, you always got to look at positives and negatives, but you guys know me. I'm, I, I'm not coming on here trying to tell everybody what they want to hear. I'm going to tell them what I actually think so the expectation can be realistic. I played the golf tournament the other day, and, and there's a former Auburn legend running back there, and you know, me and him kind of have the same thoughts. I mean, this game comes down to players, okay? Like, you can be the greatest coach. There's a lot of great coaches that look bad because they had bad players. There's a lot of bad coaches that look great because they had great players. Auburn's roster right now is just not good enough to be able to do the things that Auburn fans expect and the standard that's been raised at Auburn. It just is what it is. Now, I'm not saying they can't go up and, and beat somebody they're not supposed to, you know, one, once or twice in a season. But if you're looking at the full season and Auburn's expected to compete for championships, compete for conference championships, compete for division titles, and then you look to the left and right at what Alabama's built, and the roster that Arkansas now has and the roster that A&M has and what Brian Kelly's doing at LSU, I'm really worried. Up front on the offensive line, we return a lot of guys, but if I returned a car that didn't work in 2021 and don't fix it, it's not going to work in 2022. The quarterback situation's a problem. I don't think we have an elite playmaker there. And then on the outside, we got a bunch of unknown guys and some transfers. Defensively, I think Auburn will be fine. But I just don't think the roster and the depth, especially up front where the game is won and lost, is at a point where we can go in and say, you know what, Auburn can go toe-to-toe with anybody. But on the other hand, Auburn does have an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable way of playing a lot better when they're expected not to play well. So there's always that. I just always look back at the roster, and I just don't see Auburn's roster right now being at a place where you can go win a championship. And so it's going to come back to recruiting, of course, and I know the staff is working really hard to change that. 
uh, looking towards the future and that sort of thing. But we've seen such a chaotic offseason here in town, uh, wondering whether or not Harson would even return for year two. There was a, a look inside the program to see how it was being run and operated from administration and the university level in itself. How can Harson continue to buy time to get better players in here if things aren't to go well in year two? Or is this possibly just a two-year experiment and then you move on? Well, listen, there's a huge difference in this year going seven and five. I think you survive if one of those seven is, is, is one of the right uh, seven. So, you know, whether you sneak up on a Georgia or Alabama, which those two games are on the road, I don't see how that happens. I think you got to be five and oh going to Georgia to have a chance for Harson to be able to not have a, a, a catastrophic year because the rest of the SEC is getting pretty good too. And all those same people. And there's nothing wrong with it. They were behind Harson. I was behind him during this whole administrative thing because I know it takes time. That were there cheering him on and behind him. You go five and seven, and you get embarrassed by Georgia and Alabama. And the recruiting, the thing about it is, you got to win on the field. These kids got to see it on the field. You can show them pictures and send out quotes and tell them how good it is and how great it's going to be. But if you're getting embarrassed on the field, you're going to get embarrassed in recruiting. So if they go anything six and six or worse. I don't think Carson survives. So that's that's where I'm at with it right now. And so looking at this Auburn football team and, and being 5-0 and going into the Georgia game is obviously best-case scenario for the Tigers. One of those big wins that would happen before that game against the Bulldogs would be Penn State, the return trip for the Nittany Lions down to Jordan-Hare Stadium walking into that environment. A lot of people are talking about that game, but you do such a good job covering the sport at a national level. Give us a little bit more of an early 100 days away kickoff, so to speak, preview of this Penn State football team. We know Sean Clifford's coming back for year 12 as a quarterback at the college level for Penn State, but what else is uh, impressive about that team, or should Auburn feel good about their chances in that one? Well, you know, Jahan Dotson's not there anymore, and, and Auburn couldn't cover him if they sent a beat writer up to College Station <laughs> with, with the way that game was going. So he's not there anymore, thank goodness. But, look, they've got a quality roster. You return a quarterback, you return a couple of the weapons, the offensive line, uh, you've got starters coming back. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be an absolute fight. But it's a very winnable game, I think, for Auburn. And, you know, I put out some on social media the other day, and I'm typically not one of these people that looks at one game and says, all right, this this will probably dictate how the season goes. I'm looking at that Penn State game, and I'm really starting to err on the side of this. This may be the dictator of how it goes because you got Penn State at home, then you got Mizzou at home, then I believe you got LSU at home. If you can start out three and zero after beating Penn State, you're going to beat Mercer. If you play San Jose State the second game, you'd hope that wouldn't be a problem. But you win Penn State you got a good chance to beat Missouri at home, and, and then you got LSU at home in, in what should be a huge game. But Penn State, they're going to be fast. They're going to be athletic. But I don't think they're going to be as explosive offensively this year as they were last year. And Auburn still had a chance. Just don't call slot fade in the goal line when it matters. <laughs> but Mike Bobo's not here anymore. I think this will be a game where Auburn does stack up roster-wise. You'll be at home. You'll have all the momentum. Uh, but look, Auburn is going to have to be, when you look at this offense, they are going to have to be able to get something out of the run game to be able to compete in these games. If it's like it was last year where Tank Bigsby is having to, you know, become David Blaine or, you know, Chris Angel, the mind freak, to be able to get six yards, 
then it's going to be a problem regardless of who you play. But I do like this matchup with Auburn. you got to keep Clifford in the pocket. Something that hurt him last year was he kept extending the plays because he would break contain or they'd run past the quarterback on the rush. So I do like the matchup, and it is going to be a massive game in determining Auburn going forward, in my opinion. So we're taking a look. We're talking with Jake Crane here. He's the host of Crane and & Company, and you can follow him on Twitter at Jake Crane underscore. He's been a guest here in studio before, and always appreciate his time. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the recruiting uh, aspect for college football and a question that we honestly don't discuss, discuss ourselves as much uh, because it doesn't relate to the Tigers, but I'm curious your take on this. Where is Arch Manning going? You know, I think it's going to come down in between Georgia and Texas. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the other day, not even where he was going, but will he actually be able to live up to the impossible hype that they're going to put on this kid, which is going to be, for lack of a better term, nearly impossible. When I look at the fit, you know, you got to look at the quarterback rooms there. I think Van DeGriff's next up for Georgia. I, I think if, if Georgia didn't win the national championship last year with Stetson, I think Stetson would have moved on and Van DeGriff would have been the guy. But since they won it, you can't turn Stetson Bennett down. And I don't think they should. Quarterback won a, won a national championship. I think the best fit for him would be Texas, honestly. Because, again, Georgia just won the Natty. Bama's been winning Natties left and right. You want to go to a huge brand name where you can be an absolute legend? Colt McCoy didn't win one. Sam Ellinger didn't win one. You just really hear about Vince Young at Texas. Sarkeesian is a quarterback specialist. When you go play quarterback at Texas or you go and play for a guy like Steve Sarkeesian, you are not getting a bachelor's degree in quarterbacking. You are not getting a master's degree in quarterbacking. You are getting a doctoral Ph.D. degree in quarterbacking in an offense that translates exactly to the professional level because Sarkeesian's been an O.C. up there. He understands the intangibles you have to have, how to be able to read coverages, how to be able to, to call the, the play-in. Um, but – I really believe if he goes to Texas, Quinn Ewers right now, redshirted last year at Ohio State, he transferred. Arch Manning's a 2023 kid, which means he will sign in 2023. He will be there in 2023. Quinn Ewers will be draft eligible in in, uh, Arch's first year. I think Arch may go to Texas. He may redshirt and then play because Malik Murphy will have transferred from Texas by then. I think he ends up at Texas. I, look, that's kind of crazy to think about all the options of where it could be. And the hype is, is definitely something that I'm interested in kind of following through because you're right, it's going to be an unprecedented level of hype for what's going to be a college freshman, but your last name carries so much weight and that sort of thing. Uh, you've got the new show, your craning company. Uh, we've got you promoting J-Boy show here at uh, our studios. We're going to have to get you to come back by and re-record some stuff for us here, Jake. But tell us a little bit about craning company, what you've liked about this new show that you're doing. Man, you know, it's, it's been cool to be able to talk about all the sports. We all know, you know, football is my fastball, but we're <laughs> able to talk more NFL now. We're really getting into the college football heavy. Uh, that's what the show ma- mainly is. But, you know, we've been able to talk some NBA playoffs. We've been able to talk some NHL playoffs, believe it or not. I've actually somewhat gotten into hockey and really kind of, kind of the national stories, and that's been fun, obviously, with my brother and Blaine. But the coolest part about the show is the interaction. It was with the J-Boy show. It is with Crane and Company. Uh, you know, being at the Daily Wire with Ben Shapiro and them, that they're great people. And Ben is legitimately 5'10". A lot of people don't believe me. Talk to him in person three times, the dude's 5'10". But, <laughs> but having our booster club, which is our audience, you know, we go live on YouTube 2 to 3 Central every weekday. We take college football questions. We're talking college football. You can go in the YouTube chat. We read your bets live. 
Uh, you can win stuff if enough of your bets hit. So it's just it's been fantastic. I always love the interaction with the audience because I always say, you know, without them, there is no HUD. Jake, well, give us then. You said you've been talking about NBA. Give us then your uh, the Warriors going to finish it off tonight, and then who do you like in the finals? Yeah, well, first off, the conference finals, these series have been awful. But, yeah. uh, you know, earlier the, the playoffs were better. I think the Warriors ended tonight, even though elimination game Luka is a different level. But when you look at the Mavs, for the Mavs to be able to win, Luka's unbelievable, but it's tough to win with one guy nowadays in the NBA as good as Luka is. I mean, Sidney Smith was unconscious from three. Max Kleber uh, was unconscious from three. Uh, you know, Jalen Brunson's been really good, especially in the ISO, uh, you know, really being able to isolate guards, even though he's a, he's a little guy and get in. I just think the Warriors have too much experience. I think this is one of the games at home where Clay uh, and Steph are able to hit a bunch of threes and get the momentum going. Uh, I'm just – I'm very, very hesitant when I'm thinking about my brother is all thinks the Warriors are going to dominate whoever comes out of the Eastern Conference Finals. I could not disagree more. I think the Eastern Conference Finals are a little more like the SEC with the Heat and Celtics as physical they, as they are. And the Warriors and the Mavs have kind of been, you know, a little Pac-12-ish. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get physical. I'll give you a shot. But the Warriors <laughs> in it tonight, I do think the Mavs cover that plus seven now. All right, Jake, it's always good to catch up with you. We look forward to seeing you again sometime soon, okay? Thanks for stopping by. JJ, always, man. I appreciate it. That's our buddy Jake Crane. He's joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Always a pleasure to catch up with him here on the program. Let's go ahead and we'll take our next commercial break here on the show. When we come back, we've got more of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show back in a moment. Tiger 95.9. the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with... Austin Scott, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. Our thanks to our good buddy Jake Crane for stopping by a moment ago. Talking all things college football and really just topics from across the sports world with us here on the program. And look, we don't get the opportunity to discuss the recruitment of one particular football player as often as other schools do because Auburn is not in the running for Arch Manning. But I I think it's something that you see every day on the interwebs with folks being asked to project where this quarterback could end up. Obviously, uh, the nephew of both Eli and Peyton Manning, the grandson of Archie Manning, and how Jake kind of spun that question is fair. Like, the expectations that are on you right away because you're the number one quarterback in the country and your last name happens to be Manning and you've been known about since you were in ninth grade. 
Like, it's unbelievable what he's going to walk into. Well, first of all, don't leave Cooper out of that. You didn't mention Cooper at all. Well, because I, I said, okay, son the, of Cooper. The kid's father. Thank you, Cooper Manning, who... Who was well was, on his who way was to on a very to, successful football cor- career. Exactly but correct. But just not, not at the quarterback position. No, he was a receiver. But, but a, he knew but he had still, to be a receiver. Right, okay, because his brothers were so good at what they were doing. That's right. Okay. How cool would that have been to catch? Anyway, he got hurt. Anyway. No, you're right, and it's it's been talked about for forever of where Arch is going to go, and that's another thing. I mean, the kid's name is Arch, <laughs> after Arch. You yeah. know, it's crazy the amount of pressure that's already on him. Um, but I think I like Jake's opinion on it. I think that going to Texas would be really cool. You know, it kind of we could anyone ever Texas fathom, could be back again. That's right. Could anyone ever fathom a, a, a Manning not being in the SEC? Well. You know, if he goes to Texas, he will be here in just a couple of years. So, right. um, yeah, I think it'd be really cool for Auburn fans. Obviously, if it's Georgia, Alabama, and Texas, well, Texas is going to be your best option there. See him twice instead of every year. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think it'd be really cool for him to go to Texas and kind of do his own thing. Just like, when, you know, when Peyton went to Tennessee, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, he's not going to Ole Miss like his daddy. But he went and did his own thing and obviously made his own mark. And I think that's a great way th- to think about it for Arch. And I hope he does well wherever he picks, uh, against, except against Auburn. Uh, I think the Manning family is super cool. And uh, hopefully he you know, gets to live out his own legacy and do his own thing. Yes or no, you've seen some of his highlights. Oh, yeah, of course. I, it's been force-fed to us for like four years. <laughs> he is really good. Absolutely. He is really good. Uh, Brooks, what yeah. do you think? Uh, I mean, he's really. I'll I'll take it a step further. Uh, Please do force fed some of his highlights. He was on a couple of those ESPN Friday Night uh, High School football games this past year, so I've definitely seen some of his games. Yeah, uh, from high school down in Louisiana. It's. I mean, yeah. There's no bigger expectations than you are a quarterback coming in in the Manning family, and it, it was already big when it was just Archie Manning, and you were Peyton coming up and. You said, oh, well, you got to follow my dad, and he was such a great quarterback. But then now that you've got two Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks in your family and you're following them up, you're, it's just a, a different level of, <coughs> of expectations uh, laid there. And especially, you know, you go to a, a team, you know, you're down to Texas and Georgia uh, as the two big schools. Georgia's a team that's gotten into, like I've said several times on the show, they've gotten into that point where they are a perennial contender for a playoff spot along with Alabama uh, out of the SEC. And then Texas, well, Texas always has the highest of expectations in every single sport, especially football. Um, they fired coaches be, for less than, you know, almost perfection. And so it's uh, it, it's some bi- it's a big spot no matter where he goes. The – the uh, the expectations that are already super high are going to keep going up and up and up. I want him to go to Texas. I, I think I'm yeah. in that camp. The idea of being the person to bring Texas back, because is Texas back and Arch Manning could help that narrative, like I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Let's make that happen. I think it'd be really cool. It'd be an ama- Like, I'm going to root for the guy wherever he goes. I think he come- he's an awesome family. I was a big Peyton Manning guy. Loved Eli, too, and, and now we get to see what this Arch kid is all about. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I, I've i always been the, hey, I love Auburn and everybody else can pound sand. But, uh, you know, I, I do think it would be cool to see Arch Manning have success, and I think he is going to be good. I, I think Brooks said it best when he was like, hey, the pressure on this kid is enormous. And he's going to be – he's going to come in as like a 16 – or not 16, but 17 or 18-year-old kid and expect to be perfect right away. 
that's going to be tough. That is. That's going to be very, very tough on this kid. And, you know, I I hope he can live up to expectations because I want him to. Like everybody here has said, the Manning family is really, really cool. Uh, but still, I mean, as we've we've seen it before. These kid, these five, yeah. these five stars, best quarterback in the country, comes out and is just not ready for it. With the ex- I, no, go ahead. Yeah, I, and I just hope that. And you're, I think this is where you're going. I'm not sure, but the pressure is higher on him than it is on maybe any quarterback ever? Question mark. Um, so. It's it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough, but I hope he can live up to it. With the expectations that are on him, I I do agree. as a as a you know we're we're on an Auburn talk show. I think we people around here and people in the Auburn fan base would rather see him go to Texas. Yeah, for but sure. But with those expectations, and I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think probably a, a just to start out with, maybe a better fit would be Georgia. Because you're going to a not place... Not as much will be asked of him. The, the, yeah, they're not as much is going to be asked of him. You've got a, a lights-out defense, as the Georgia always has a lights-out defense, even, even before Kirby Smart. It always seemed like they were one of the more aggressive defenses in the SEC. You go to Texas, I mean, you've got Sarkeesian, who's an offensive coach, and he's a proven offensive uh, uh, plus to any quarterback. I just have questions about the rest of that team and the rest of their deep, the, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And if you are expected to carry that team at such an early point, if you can't and you're not perfect, that's gonna that's gonna hit it very very hard. Yeah. And I know Auburn fans don't want to hear that the the better spot to go would be Georgia, but I mean you look at it. I think for pieces around him, I think Georgia is probably a better fit. Facts Definitely. are facts. Yeah, and well, the and the the last thing I'll add to this is. It doesn't matter where he goes between the three options listed. He's going to get paid big time. <laughs> yeah, and ter- for sure. I mean, he's he's got his name. Also, those schools have tons of money. But Texas has just about as much money as anybody. And and him being able to kind of carve out his own niche as the Manning in Texas, uh, I just that adds a whole other level of expectation in itself of of the amount of money that he's probably getting way more than any other college kid in the NIL, which is already saying a lot. Uh, it, I can't imagine what, what he's feeling, and, and I really hope for the kid's sake, more than off on the football field, more than athletically, I hope the kid can thrive and, and have a good college experience that, that he deserves. 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 if you would like to call in and add your thoughts and commentary to any of the topics that we've been discussing on the show today. As we get near the end of the hour, let's do this. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. We haven't celebrated our birthdays today. A little delayed on our program, but let's get to it now. May 26th, happy birthday to Micah Parsons, who's turning 23, the outside linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. What a stud he is. The defensive rookie of the year and already a one-time Pro Bowler. Micah Parsons off to a great start. In his NFL career, only 23. You think James knows it's Mike Parsons' birthday? I hope he does. That's his guy. I hope he, he wishes him a happy birthday. Yeah, he does now. You're we exactly are. right. Uh, in Penn State, exactly, exactly where he played. Ben Zobrist is turning 41, the former MLB outfielder. Zobrist was born in Illinois and was not recruited out of high school. After thinking baseball was over for him, his coach convinced him to attend a local baseball camp where he was offered a scholarship to play at Olivet Nazarene University. While a member of the Fighting Tigers, he was a two-time NAIA All-American. 
After finishing college, Zobers played in the Prospect League for a year where he was MVP and then drafted by the Devil Rays in the sixth round in 2004. He made his Major League debut two years later and would play in the majors until 2019. A three-time All-Star, a two-time World Series champion, and a one-time World Series MVP, Ben Zobris turning 41. He will always be remembered in the baseball world as being the World Series MVP in 2016, the year the Cubs broke their curse. The Cubs had not won a World Series in forever, and he was the MVP when they did. Wesley Walker is turning 67, a former New York Jets wide receiver. After setting several records in high school, Walker played college football at Cal, where he was an All-American, and caught 86 passes for over 2,000 yards and 22 touchdowns over the course of of four seasons. He was taken by the Jets in the second round of the 1990 or 1977 NFL Draft and spent 12 years with the team, a two-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, and one-time NFL Receiving Yards leader, Wesley Walker, turning 67 years old. And finally, Greg Lloyd is turning 57, former NFL linebacker, mostly famous with the Steelers, where he spent 11 seasons of his 12-year career He grew up in Fort Valley, Georgia, attending Peach County High School and Fort Valley State University. There, he was a three-time All-SIAC selection and a Player of the Year. Selected in the sixth round of the 1987 NFL Draft by the Steelers, Greg Lloyd missed his first season with injury but became a longtime leader of that defense, five-time Pro Bowler in his career. Greg Lloyd turns 57 years old. Fun fact, Peach County High School arch rivals of the Perry Panthers. I had a feeling that that was probably near your area, but I didn't know yeah, specifically. It's Peach County. So thank you. Yeah, Fort Valley is the neighboring city to Perry. Or it's it's very close. I can't remember if they're... I don't know if their borders touch. Is but the, the county they, Peach, or yes. is it just like the city name is? The, the Peach County is the county. And the city that Peach County High School is in is Fort Valley. Gotcha. Is Perry in Peach County? No. Perry is in Houston County. Okay. But Peach County and Houston County are side by side. Yeah, they are neighboring. Okay. And Houston is the Bears. Yeah, Houston County Bears, yes. It's spelled like Houston, but Houston. Yeah. 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 It's pronounced Houston. Uh, Their their softball coach is pretty good. Houston County, right? Dang it. Is that not your sister? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. She's, I was thinking like head coach. No, she's an assistant over there. But yes, yes. Remember that from the very first time Brant and I talked. It was good. That's impressive. Man. It was hey, very good that's stuff. Very impressive. Wow. Uh, that's our birthdays in sports here on May 26. Micah Parsons, Ben Zobris, Wesley Walker, and Greg Lloyd. All right, we've reached the end of the second hour. One hour left to go. We're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. 
Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson here inside the studio with Austin Scott, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress having fun on this Thursday. We are almost to Friday. We're almost there and uh, excited to be doing that. All right, let's do this to open up the third hour. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Time now for our Daily Show Recap here on Thursday, May 26, 2022. Brooks, let's hand it over to you. What's happened on the show today? Oh, we've had a lot of great guests on the show today. We've had a lot of great conversations. Uh, We've had two great guests I don't want to butcher anybody's last names. It's Connor O'Gara. Correct. Yes. Uh, Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. Uh, So the Saturday Down South podcast. Uh, He was on in the first hour of the show. Uh, Great, great interview. Talked a lot about uh, NIL stuff. Talked a lot about the state of college football and the SEC. Um, He he was just a a great guy. First time we've had him on the program. We definitely will be having him on again. Hopefully we'll get to see him and uh, have him on the show live uh, in person when we go to SEC Media Days in a couple months. And then uh, last hour we talked to Jake Crane from Crane & Company over at the Daily Wire, uh, formerly the host of the J-Boy Show, was what he uh, became more well-known for in the Southeast, and got a new show over there with his brother and uh, his friend that used to be a quarterback at the University of Michigan that he's been working with for several years now. And so they've got a great show going on. Talked a lot about college football. Delved into uh, a little bit of talking about Arch Manning, where he was going to go. We haven't really talked about that a lot uh, on the show, but but a big name in the recruiting world in the next couple years is Arch Manning. Seems like it could just be down to Georgia and Texas, although he has, nobody's ruled out Alabama, even though Alabama did sign a four-star quarterback for that same class earlier this week or got a commitment from a four-star quarterback from that same class earlier this week. So, Signs are starting to point that way that it could be down to Georgia and Texas, but you never know for sure. And of course, we uh, we've talked a lot about Auburn football. We've talked a lot about the um, the times getting released for those first three games for the Auburn football season. Let's give a shout out to it was Jones in, yeah. in Panama City at the start of the program today. Got us talking about some Auburn baseball. I wanted to know about the Auburn baseball team whose season, unfortunately, not in the Red SEC, you, yeah. came to a close. Uh, yesterday in a loss to Kentucky. And now on Monday, Memorial Day, they will be able to uh, find out where they're going to be playing at the NCAA tournament. Also, a good time to let you know that coming up on Monday, again, Memorial Day, uh, for several years in a row, as it's well known, we don't have sports call on Memorial Day Monday. So if you're hoping to call in and chat with us, we're going to be spending time away ourselves. And we hope you enjoy that opportunity to hang out with uh, friends and family. Memorial Day has always been a fun day uh, to watch where the teams are headed for the college baseball uh, championships, for the regional play and that sort of thing. And then also Memorial Day Monday is always, little known fact to you guys, it's always the national championship game for Division One lacrosse, uh, which does not matter to anybody in the studio except for me because I've watched it a lot over the years. But there's a little fun fact for you. Lacrosse is a Duke sport. Yeah, it, it is a Duke sport, and that's why I grew up watching it. So, yes. Who's in it this year? Not Duke. Well, you still be Not watching Duke. it. You don't know who's I'll in it? I'll be tuned in. We're going to the Final Four 
Virginia, Maryland, they've got really good programs this year. And You're going to the Final Four? No, 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 oh. no, no. <laughs> the, the sport? Yes. I got it. Yes. So they play the Final Four on Monday? or They play it Saturday, and then they play the championship Saturday on Monday. Monday. Yeah. Awesome. Always in Baltimore, too. <coughs> did you Always. know that the uh, – no one else will care about this in this studio except for me, but did you know that the College Ultimate National Championships are this weekend as well? College is that Ultimate real? Frisbee. That's right. Where is that? Milwaukee, Wisconsin this year. Okay. Uh, for the local folks, Auburn's uh, club team is in it. They'll be they're heading up to Milwaukee today. And uh, 20 teams play pool play, semifinals are on uh, Sunday and championships on Monday. And it's a club sport. Club sport, that's right. Going to play the championship. Yep. Got to participate in that twice in my collegiate career once in Milwaukee. So yeah. You played in the championships? It was the national championships. Yeah, there's 20 teams. It's not like we furthest we ever made it was quarterfinals. But yeah. And you Semif- played yeah, semifinals are on ESPNU and championships on ESPNU Monday night. And you played? Yes, I played. We've talked about this before. I know, but I didn't know that you made it. To, <laughs> I, I didn't know that you played. Like, this is a freaking athlete you're talking I know, to, all I right? Just didn't was, know, was. And you're making the comeback. Like, we're documenting it. Once you're making and always. the comeback. Well, yeah, this was pre-ACL. I know, So, but, but like, <laughs> Austin, that's cr- on the Auburn University Club Ultimate Frisbee team, you played. The Auburnitis, yes. They made club nationals four years in a row. I played my junior and senior year. And my kid brother is now on the team in his senior year, and he's, they're going up there. So today. Ashton's going to play right now. Ashton tours ACL in February. We're a lot alike. So right. he's not playing, but yeah. But he's heading he's, up there. They're up there. They're like close <laughs> to Chicago right now. When you say <laughs> My brother and I had the same, had the same gruesome injury. See, it's A-E-T-O-S. T-O-S. What does that stand? Is that an acronym for anything? It's Greek for eagle. Okay. Club, Club Ultimate's really weird. Really weird sport. So like nobody's like... The same as their school. It's like not you don't you won't have the Auburn Tigers or like the Duke Blue Devils or anything like that. Right. So yeah. who typically wins? Uh, a lot of the Northeast teams are really good. There's Carleton College is really good. Pittsburgh, Carleton College. Yep. Where is that? What is that? C A R L E T O N. I think they're in Ohio, Minnesota. Feels like the Bears. Lots like of Northeast teams, big thing up there. A lot of them aren't just club sports teams. There's like some scholarship teams. I did not mean to it, hijack this. It's the Carlton Club, know, club Ultimate. <laughs> Carlton College Knights, by the way. Knights. Boo. But they aren't in Ultimate. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I got here because I was just simply saying that Memorial Day I is just, Monday. I thought about it and I was like, okay, that's how Ultimate does it. And then I was like, wait, that's this weekend too. So here we are. Here we are, man. We got no show courts. on Monday. No show on Monday. Please watch the uh, lacrosse D1 <laughs> championships and college ultimate. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I'm sure there'll be, a, um, you know, there's a, on Sunday, you've got the Coca-Cola 600, the Indy 500. Those are some of our monthly predictions where it's typically shot in the dark for a, a lot of segue. us, but looking at odds. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, we're almost treating this like a Friday show like what to watch for over the weekend, but we still have a Friday show to go because tonight at 2 a.m. Central Time, it's not tonight. season four That'd of Stranger Things morning, yeah. premieres. It is. Are you excited? Yeah. I'm very excited. You excited I forgot that was this weekend. I'm very excited as well. Like it's, you know, it's, it's big, 5 big o'clock things, here. Friend. So friend, that means Whatever. seven hours from now is midnight plus two to get to two a.m. Are you going to watch the entire nine. like twelve hours? And so of the, the episodes there we're hours, nine hours away minutes. from the premiere. Yep, the full season is, but I think it's like they're releasing yeah. the, first the first seven. seven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. we had this conversation in the office, but yeah. it was off air. Should I go for it tonight? Starting at no, no. Oh, absolutely. You've got to be here idea. tomorrow. I told the guys maybe I just go to sleep right after the show. Like if I fell asleep by six thirty. 
and then woke up at two. That's eight hours. Are you a, editing the podcast today? Uh, that's still eight hours. There's yeah. an there's an eighty seven percent chance that JJ watches at least one of these episodes tonight. Well, but, one one will be fine. I'll probably watch one, maybe two. But what'd you tell me? <clears throat> that I wouldn't do that. No, no, no. What'd you <laughs> about the past three seasons? I always watch it the night it comes out in one in sitting. one sitting. Yeah. I think you can. I think you can this still do that tomorrow This is just a challenge, night. though. This is an absolute challenge. Yeah, this, it'll yeah, be a with slog how long at they've some made point. these episodes. And the thing is, the last three have come out while we've been in college or high school. Right. And with so not as much responsibility. It, not as much responsibility. And, and, yeah. At eight a.m. I'll be responsible. I think you should. Yeah. You can still see it. Watch it in one sitting. But actually, you can't. But you can watch the first volume in one sitting. But maybe it's just a better to not do that. You know. Maybe. Because well, also, maybe. Not. Do you think maybe? I'm trying. Cool. I'm gonna watch a lot of the Circle this weekend too. <laughs> Season four has come out on Netflix. Ask. And I don't want to ask. Trash, trashy reality television. Well, I had a guess. I'm gonna watch. <laughs> so, can we also point out the fact that Kenobi is, premieres tomorrow? Oh, doing, oh, does it? Is it doing tomorrow? really well with Love yeah. Island season oh, three? Kinda, as well. Kind of thought Jake would get into that when he was bringing up. Kind of made some Star Wars comparisons. He didn't go for it though. I'm gonna be out of town this weekend. So I I'm forgot, very upsetting. I, I forgot that Kenobi dropped this weekend. No chance you're watching in the car or anything? No. You're going to be driving, driving, aren't you? Yeah. 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 I, I don't recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> Do not watch and drive. I'm going to go home and uh, visit some friends this weekend, but we might we might just end up watching Kenobi together because we are all big Star Wars nerds. Yeah, do that. That'd be fun. We might do that. Stranger Things or Star Wars? So. Uh, with them, probably Star Wars. Even if, though I do think they yeah, both watch Stranger Things. I was about to say, you sit down by yourself all weekend. You can only binge one. The new season of Stranger Things or the new Stranger uh, Things. Kenobi? I'm going Stranger Things because Everybody's as much as I love, say as much as I I love Star Wars, well, I don't know if Kenobi's yeah. good yet. Yeah. I don't know if I, if probably I love Kenobi. Well, I hope so. It's, I really hope. It, I mean, I don't know if Disney's done anything that's been horrifically bad. I did not love did the you ever book see of the Boba Good Fett. Dinosaur. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Star Wars wise. I did not love the book of Boba Fett. Also, also um, how dare you talk bad about Disney and Pixar? What was it? The that last, the last, horrible. the last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker was, were not good. Austin, was that recent? The Good there, Dinosaur was when we were in high school. It was the Pixar movie. Oh yeah, was, yeah. That, was I, I know it's really, that was like the the kid, right? Yeah, don't the, they get high on mushrooms at one point? I don't know. I felt because there was some animated movies do slap. Like Pixar's great. There was oh. a reason this Pixar movie was some a anim- release. There are a lot of animated yeah. movies yeah. that are fantastic. Just because they're animated doesn't mean they suck. Like, they're great. Like Buzz Lightyear's coming out in a few weeks. Like that, I'm it's skeptical. a summer. Does he need an origin story? Well, I it's Chris want Evans. Not Chris. It is Chris. It Evans. is Chris Evans. Yeah, it's it needs not to be. Tim Allen. Is it yeah. animated? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm skeptical. It why is it not weird, Tim Allen? Like why is it not be Tim Allen? Because because it's the origin story. It's not the toy. It's the actual person, Buzz Lightyear. Who was, so who they, was not real. It's the I, toy. The toy was Tim Allen. The actual person is Chris Evans. That's the company line. Yeah. I think it's going. To, I really bigger, think it's going to end up being involved. like at the end of the movie. They reveal that it's just Andy been playing with his toys the whole time. I really like. It's going to be like, hey, this is what the kid sees when he plays with his toys. It does Let's, kind of freak me out how like serious they're taking the origin story. Yeah, I mean, but why wouldn't it you? looks good? Am I going to watch it? Looks it looks good. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. watch it. Let's. Yeah. let's I'm going to wait for reviews to come out. But let's do some monthly it. prediction things here, and then I'm going to definitely give us an idea. Eight point four for uh, IMDb for. Let's do some year. monthly predictions, <laughs> and then we'll dive into a Pixar project. Seven point six. Okay? We did get on a Friday show. We'll, we'll dive into a Pixar project because Austin was here. Imagine tomorrow's show. Here we go. Are you looking for a sure bet at what's going to happen this month? The well, then don't listen to these guys. 
It's Sports Call's Monthly Predictions. All right, we make monthly predictions before a month starts. You get it right, you get a point. Pretty simple. Here in May, first two questions were what Eastern Conference and Western Conference NBA team would be the representative in the NBA Finals. The Warriors are one game shy of being the representative for the Western Conference. If that holds true, everybody will get a point except Brooks and Javon. Yep who thought Phoenix, the number one seed in the West, would get it done. And no one can blame us for picking it. Can't blame you for picking it. Uh, and then oh, the Boston Celtics have a three-game-to-two lead over the Miami Heat. If that series holds, Javon, myself, Ryan, and Tom would get that point correct. Uh, Brooks and Brant and Bill cannot get a point, along yep. with Austin, Go Bucks. because they selected the Milwaukee Bucks. That's right. Yep. Big uh, big Giannis here. fan. Big Giannis fan. He, they uh, won the championship last year, but uh, yeah. eliminated by the Boston Celtics. What will the batting average of Sonny DeShera be in the month of May? I gave this Oof. away a little bit earlier on the show, and the closest guest gets this point. He finished the month with a 154 batting average. Which and is still a, has a batting average that's pretty close to 400, even after a very Quite bad lousy. Month. For the month, but you're right. He was so good that his average is still fine. Six yeah. hits in the month, four of them were homers. Tom Peavy's going to get that point for having the closest guess, although his guess was 86 points off. So, uh, <laughs> But everybody else had really good uh, averages that they predicted for Mr. Sonny Deshera. Was was he 86 points the negative or positive? Like, did he say it was 86 points more? More, okay. yeah. He All didn't right. think Sonny would be batting under 100. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, which horse will win the 2022 Kentucky Derby? No one got that one right. It was an 86 to one long shot that ended up winning. No one could I'm have blanking it on right. his yeah, name. He, he, Rich, Rich Strike. Rich Strike. Rich Strike, right. who was not available when we made these predictions. He yeah. was the 21st horse because one of the horses. He was an had alternate horse. Yeah, couldn't get it done. Uh, who will win the NASCAR Coca-Cola 600? That hasn't happened yet. As the uh, also that goes for the Indy 500. That also hasn't happened. Uh, which player will hit the most home runs for the Atlanta Braves in the month of May? This was a fun one for us to talk about. I had uh, I was hoping Ronald Acuna Jr. would be off and run, and he got off to a great start That's once he I finally picked. debuted in May. But uh, home run production has cooled off for him a good bit. Yeah, I think I had a little bit of wishful thinking, pick, hoping Ronald would pick it up and pick right back up where he left off. But uh, yeah, nobody's nobody's a leader in the clubhouse right now. Uh, from the staff, William Contreras has caught fire uh, as the left fielder slash catcher for your Atlanta Braves <laughs> and uh, has seven home runs, I think, over the month of May. So he's, uh, yeah, he's he's winning it so far. Everybody else picked Austin Riley, Matt Olson, or Ozzie Albee, So And Ozuna is second currently, and no yeah. one picked Marcel Ozuna either. Right. He seems to be picking it up a little bit too. Like yeah. maybe, maybe not hitting a home run every other at bat, but he's his average is going up a lot. I like the Braves. If the offense can continue to improve, hopefully I they'll be able like to start getting some wins. We all like we the Braves. We all like the Braves. Austin is wearing a Braves shirt. Let's go, Braves. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I almost wore my uh, World Series shirt today. Who will win the PGA Championship? Justin Thomas did. Yes. He, he was did. our sports call player of the week. He was. He had an eight-hole comeback or an eight-stroke deficit comeback. Uh, and none of us thought he would win. Can That's I tell right. you something? Yes. I've picked Justin Thomas probably for every single golf thing we've ever <laughs> done. And this year, this game, I was like, oh, this is stupid. I, these are just like the NASCAR ones. Correct. I, I can, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, I picked Colin Morikawa. I don't think he made the cut. Yeah. And uh, I missed out on my <laughs> shot there. 
How many home runs does Auburn softball player Bree Ellis finish the season with? She, when we went into the month right at May, had 18, 18 yep. which had tied the Auburn freshman single season record. She had just hit that 18. And she had just hit well. that 18th. So, okay, you got a month. You got a couple of SEC series left. What is it going to look like for Bree? She got two more in the final yeah. weekend of the season to get up to 20. In the same and game. Brooks and I said 20. So we get yep. the point. Good job, Brooks. Thanks. Thanks for, I didn't believe in anything. <laughs> um, what will NASCAR points leader Chase Elliott's best finish in the month of May be? Brooks and I and Austin get the point because in Javon because we said first. So it was his first race in May. He was, first, he was yeah, like May, May, May 2nd, yeah. That he, he, he got won. the win. And so you that can't point have was a pretty easy sport. to give out. Yeah, I like that. That was pretty good. Yeah, I did believe in something for that one. We love Chase. And then finally, what team will score the most goals in the NHL <coughs> Stanley Cup playoffs in May? Stupid. And the Oilers are going to walk <laughs> away with this one most likely, I think. You want your you want your teams uh-huh. to sweep, but then the Lightning swept too much as far as it goes to <laughs> monthly predictions, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that made me sad and mad and happy. Because you picked the Lightning, and, yeah, and now that they've swept, they have to wait until they can play another Is game. Is anybody close here? Who's the... We got the the Avalanche. So you really should be the one that's upset. Yeah, I mean, well, I but mean, it happens. You've still got what? A, it's a 3-2 series. You've still got Avalanche have got one, at least maybe two more games left in the month of May. Right. But and they, the Oilers have, what, two games, three games left in the month of May. But Yikes. the Oilers are already up seven runs on the av- goals on the Avalanche. Well, yeah, but you, could still, but you could still have a possible. It's still possible it's you could possible. have three games left. So you got to hope for the Oilers to finish it off quick and then the Avalanche to keep going. And a bunch of one O's. Yeah. And I'm for it. Yeah. I'm for it. Uh, so, yeah, that's our monthly predictions update. Not too shabby. And uh, as we get near the end of the month, obviously, we'll update the standings and see who's on top. Who's at the top of the standings right now before month of May? Austin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My bad. Gray Scott at the top. Master Zippy. Gray with an E. <laughs> Go Zoops. Was I right? The, with an E, yeah. Yeah. We okay. don't like the AY people. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Long split, long time ago. Um, okay. Here we go. Let's take a break. We're back with more after this. Follow us on tweeters. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back into the program. Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app. My name is JJ Jackson. I do this show today with Austin Scott, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. Thank you for listening. If you miss any of our show, you can go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast. Uh, the Braves are announcing that Marcelo Zuna, who we just talked about, has been scratched as a precaution with lower abdominal tightness. He is available tonight off the bench. And so, taking a look at that update for the Atlanta Braves, Orlando Arcia now in the lineup 
for the Bravos. And again, it might be his left noodle, left uh, arm being noodle. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, their 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 big thing to do now with Ozuna in the outfield is to tell you how fast his throws are from the outfield. You know, which is to say, not very how slow. Yeah. It's like I saw I saw one in the grand scheme of things for everyday folk. He threw a ball in at like seventy eight point three miles per hour the other day. It's no bueno. But for everyday folk, like you us, go out there and throw folk. a ball in. Well, yeah. sure. 78.3 yeah. miles Everyday per hour. Everyday folk don't get to be paid that much and don't get to yeah. play in Major League Baseball Fair. Games. So let's, uh, let's pick up the speed I, a little bit then, Ozuna. I feel like I could throw a baseball about 70 miles an hour. Mm. Maybe mm. not with accuracy. You think so? But I feel like if I'm in the outfield and I have to get it into the infield, I feel like I could register 70. 70? 70? Hold on. I, I could be very, this. very wrong. I, I think could you're be very, very off. I think but you're I, very I off. throw pretty hard. You do. I can throw but, pretty hard. But I think you're we a little off. We need to Dennis say, Quaid this and go find a... Uh, oh, I, I, go I was going like to say, yeah, speed yeah, does somebody. anybody have $130? What was that, the natural? The rookie. The rookie. I was going to say, $130, we can get, a, uh, we can get a speed gun. Just simply not to be anti-Brant <laughs> so here. No, okay. okay. Because go, I'm very much so not anti-Brant. I'm just going to you know pump the brakes here a little bit okay. and remind you, as you've said to us, and you made a comment yesterday watching SEC baseball in the SEC tournament, you did not play much baseball growing up. I played no baseball growing up. And so for that to be the reason... I have thrown like, baseballs before. Correct. I've thrown a lot of baseballs. Correct. But... The velocity that just practice and over and over that like that just yeah seventy's hey, a big jump. There's one way to determine this, and if Brant it's can throw seventy from the outfield, then it's going to help us out a lot for the Thunder Chicken. <laughs> well, so here's, here's the problem. Yes, I could if I could throw hard back to the infield, that would be awesome. The matter is like routine pop flies. I'm not going to be able to make it to get those. I'm so slow, I can't run at all. But a single to the outfield, we need seventy mile an hour arm. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Keep a single a single. We need a lot more than just arms in the outfield as the Thunder <laughs> Chicken, so. Oh, I don't know. Hey, Daryl's excited, though. That's true. That's true. Can't softball. wait for Daryl to come to one of our games. Uh, start of very July, we'll be back out there. I'm excited. I we feel can like get, we, can we get, got a good team coming back. I feel like. Mm. We do. Mm. We do. Mm. We do. We got the, whole, the whole squad coming back? Not the whole squad. I mean, we'll have some adjustments, but Trevon Reed's coming back. Is he really? He is. <coughs> All right, cool. That's I get to meet Trevon. I we found. Have a, uh... <laughs> Did you say he's taking a pay cut? <laughs> no, I said that's a big pickup. <laughs> oh, I we should said. have like uh, to boost our followers on Thunder Chickens. Uh huh. <laughs> we should have like a countdown to the first game. Countdown, but like kind of like uh, War Ready does. Follow us. <laughs> we need 200 <laughs> followers and we'll announce the next. <laughs> Ross Brooks <edition>. Childress! <laughs> Would you be okay with that? Sure. I think we need to start doing that. What do you think the I Thunder would, Chickens have? Do you right think we're going to get 200 people to follow the Thunder no Chickens? Shot. We don't no. think we got 20. I don't think. The, <laughs> I, I, I don't think, think most of those people are on the team. 29. No, I don't even think the whole team follows Thunder <laughs> no, Chickens. You know? They don't. Trevon never followed the Thunder Chickens. So we have 29. <laughs> We have followers. 29 followers, including including four stations here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Locked on Blue Devils. Let's go. Mm, I wonder who runs that account. And uh, our own Brooke Myers. Uh, I'm seeing a good bit of the team. Trevon does follow the Thunder Chickens. Okay. 
I'm seeing a good bit of the team. I found for $35 online we can get a radar detector baseball, which is apparently regulation size and weight of a regular baseball, but it displays how fast you throw it on the baseball. Like it's got a little screen on okay. it. That's awesome. So if we wanted can we to, please? If we wanted to uh, someone wanted to pay 35 bucks for that. Are you, you just write it off. It's content. It's a write off. Look, I'm I'm doing my best to get video content for this show. JJ and I need to play golf, wrestle, and now we can do this thing. Um, I forgot about the wrestling. Are you seeing the uh, the most recent tweet from the Thunder Chickens account? <laughs> the picture? Yeah. Or do you yeah. just want to read the whole context of the tweet there? Yeah, it's our team picture from our last game of the year in the playoffs, mind you. Right? We made the playoffs. <laughs> Everybody made the playoffs. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Final game one, Moe's Barbecue, who was our nemesis all year. 21. Weren't they the first team we played? Thunder Chicken 6 after four innings. Scratching six across we is pretty good. We scored six. That's we good. Scored, the team finished 1-12 and 12 in the inaugural season of the franchise. Thanks to all that followed along. Hashtag cluck up. Cluck up, baby. <laughs> cluck up. All right. Cluck up, baby. We have 29 followers. Make it 30. I think my... My, Let's get those numbers up. My favorite. Um, I just made it thirty. You weren't following. You weren't the following chickens? the thunder shit. No, I just what? No, who's our? Uh, I've got a different account that uh, I just made it thirty. Your burner. <laughs> I think one of my favorite aspects of the thunder chickens uh, social media from last year is what is the amazing work by Austin Scott for these uh, play, these lineup graphics and the 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 photoshopping, which could not be maybe not photoshopping with the. Uh, the uh, baseball field with the lightning in the background. Oh, that's photoshopped. But yeah. but from our history last year with getting our games rained out, it may not have been. Fair enough. These were good graphics Fun that we had. Hashtag cluck up with our like logo. that's an intimidating like catcher, Brooks Children. I just want to know who put me seventh in the batting lineup. That, that's right in the middle of the order. Same person who made himself starting pitcher. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he like, did do that. Don't put me in the middle of the order. We need to take team photos and everything. Mm. We getting new jerseys. Yeah, are we going blue this year, or are we going back to whites? What do you guys think? Uh, I think we should alternate. Honestly. Because I still have my white, but like some blue would look pretty see, slick. On, honestly, though, money-wise, I feel like we, we just need to try it one more time with the whites. Yeah. And if we just have another yeah, unsuccessful then, season, like two out of three years, we can't go back to a third. <laughs> so one more with the white. Yeah. yeah. I think the, last year was a fluke year. We're going to be better this year. <laughs> okay, man. So I was last in the order every game, it looks like. You're telling like. me we got all these people coming back. Not most, all of them, of them, but... You're telling me Trevon Reed is going to come play slow-pitch softball? Yes, can confirm. Can confirm. I cannot wait. Unless Trevon, something Trevon changes. And Sammy were really good. Yeah, Sammy, Sammy got drafted by the Pirates in, out of high school, didn't he? Did he? He got drafted by somebody. Remember the team that asked us, is that the real Sammy Coates and the real Trevon Reed? Yeah. That was a real question that was asked to us. And it was like, yeah, look at them. They're jacked. <laughs> July. Those, those look like NFL athletes out there, baby. I will do. I will get to a more substantial conversation in a moment. This is just funny going back down memory lane. July 20th, 2021. The playing facilities have called in tonight's game due to field conditions and, and, uh, and canceled tonight's game due to field conditions and the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Too much thunder, not enough chicken. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going through this, JJ. I keep forgetting you're left-handed, but you your little game day graphic got a nice little two seam action going. Right I know. There. I know. 
we've got post game analysis from Brooks on the account. I saw that in one too. video. I, I mean, can't wait to watch that video. We'll need a new head coach. I feel like that was the the game that. Um, oh, are you going to be the new manager now? I, I need Brooks in the lineup. Yeah, but I, okay. Sure. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Are are you going to be JJ the on field coach? Is that what we're going to go with? I mean, typically. Typically. Yeah. Typically. I would say Javon. He was our he was our figure Brooks, head coach. Brooks, you you did the disappointed manager thing after the loss of you hear you field the question, you take the hat off, you run your fingers through your hair, and then you start answering. <laughs> yeah. I mean it was it <laughs> wasn't so funny. I mean we love Javon, but it, he, it wasn't he got a positive. one win in his, his coaching career. Yeah. It was time for a change. Time for a change. We wish him the best. <laughs> we wish him nothing. He's but not the even best. in the state to defend himself. And we you know we wish gotta him move the best. on. He's in Connecticut. Gotta move on. All right, let's do this. I back want to the show. Back to the show and back to our Pixar project. Okay, you, when you, usually when you say, okay, let's do this, you, you click a hot button. You, cl- you click a hot key. And, you, you and like, I Zeus, did in that time. Zeus says something, so I was like, oh, wow, are we at the end of the show? No, we're not. But, w- okay, continue. You're right, because that is, that is a J.J. Jackson move. Like, you're picking up on all my moves, Brant, because yeah. I'm like, Cause I've let's been here do for this, and it's like, hey, it's the nightly TV guide or whatever. Yeah. You know, and now I'm just like, all right, let's do this. And it's a referee whistling, uh, which is great. Um, yep. That was pretty awesome. Do you know what the first Pixar movie was? Oh, God. Ah. Hold on. Are we going with like the like I think it, I the do. first feature film? Pixar Animation Studios first film. I think I know. Oh, it, it was. Um, I think I got it. It was like a short, wasn't it? No. I think uh, if Dude, I, was it may I do we feature movie feature film? Oh my gosh! I think I, think I, I got it. I think Pixar I Animation Studios their first film November twenty second nineteen ninety five. Yeah, ninety yeah, five. I, I thought I it was ninety six, but I, I, I still it. think what it's, you got, Brooks. I got Toy Story. I got Bugs Life. I got also have Bugs Life. It's Toy Story. Really? Because I went and saw Bugs Life in theaters. A Bugs I was, Life I was is... Da- I could not have done that if I was zero years old. A Bugs Life is the second, November ah. 25th, 1998. Wow. Yeah. Toy when Story was that? November? Good guess. November. November. So that movie is like how many months younger than me? Like three? And then two. Toy Story yeah. 2 was November of 99. Monsters, Inc. was November of 2001. Oh, that movie's okay. so good. That's a good movie. Monsters, Inc.'s a banger. That's earlier than I thought that one was, though, yeah. too. The fifth movie, Finding Nemo. That was the first okay. movie I ever remember being really excited to go see in theaters. That was in May, so the first movie that they released, not in November, and it was their fifth total movie. Yeah. May of 03. Finding Nemo was released nearly 20 years ago. I was turning five. We're like four days shy of the 19-year-old birthday of Finding Nemo. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tweet deck a post from my account about Uh, Finding Nemo's 19th birthday. Okay, you do that. I'll just get ahead of the curve and be like, wow, and then people are going to be like, wow. Wow. And be like, I got the thought on the show. Your market will work that. (laughs) <laughs> that's what people are following me for is yeah. Pixar Project yeah. content. Big Duke uh, fans and Nemo and I, I just call it the Pixar Project for the alliteration. Uh, that's production, baby. So how many... How, let, let, let's see if you guys can keep these movies coming. What's the next movie? How many of these can you name? You what year after us? Finding what Nemo? Year? Yeah, the fifth one, 2003. Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo. Was it... 
It wasn't The Incredibles, was it? It was The Incredibles. Yes. Okay, hang on. I knew okay. it was a while between the 2004. Two. The next one's in 2006. Ooh, was that... Sweet. It wasn't Toy Story 3. No. It, no. I know that when that one came out. out. That, that came out in 2010. 2006? Was it uh, Wally? No, not quite. Oh. Mm. Wally's not a bad guess. Can we get a small hint? Don't give as big a hint as you usually do. <laughs> who's who is an, who is a voice actor in that movie? He doesn't know that. That's that's a good point. Is Ellen DeGeneres in the movie? No, no that yeah. wouldn't have been a. Yes. Well, I do know that, bro. I, I I was able to confirm it. Oh six, Finding Nemo two is much old. later. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, Larry I, the Cable Guy. Oh, cars. Uh, cars. cars. Okay, Cars. Then Nolan Wally? Wilson. Then Wally. Cars, and then, no, there's one in between Wally's Cars and Wally. Yeah, Wally was it, 2008, Cars was 2006. So there was 2007. What was Pixar's release for 2007? Was it a popular movie, or was it their first bad one? Actually, the second time this week we've talked about this movie. Oh. It was in a trivia question to James from Montgomery earlier this oh, week. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yep, I remember y'all talking about this. Uh, I was on the show that day, too. I was not. Man, I remember that question. What would you ask him? Oh, I don't know what I, I asked. No him. idea. Hang on, hang on. I have no idea. Austin's gonna go listen. Can to you the read through the list that we've we the yeah yeah yeah. All right. So, Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story Two, Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars, Blank, and then Wally. Okay. What Gosh. came out between Cars and Wally? And this is two thousand. And I know that earlier this week. Ryan Lavoy knows what I'm talking about right now. And this is 2007. He'll give me a thumbs up to confirm that, but he remembers. Yeah, we're the, looking for... There's, there's no, no thumbs, thumbs up, up from Ryan. Given. There's no thumbs up. He Ryan. remembers, though. Trust me. <coughs> <laughs> All right, you're going to have to lay a hint uh, now. Um, it's one word. Up. Nope. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. That's a good guess. Though. That was a good guess. That's after Wally. Because Brant said 2010, and he was right. Yeah. Up was 2010. No, I, no, 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 no. You said Toy Story, Story 3 was, was 2010. Yeah. Yes. You got it? No, I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because oh. you were saying. It's one word. Yes. One Short word or long word? Is it Bolt? No, no, that was a Disney movie. That was just yeah. a Disney movie. I forgot yeah. about Bolt. That was a good movie. That was To me, Cyrus. as a child, I don't we were, know if it's still This old is 07, right? Yeah. Food. 11 years. Ratatouille. 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 That's the best movie they've made. (laughs) So 2007 was Ratatouille. 2008 was Wally. 2009, Up. Toy Story 3 in 2010. 2011. This is a movie I don't know that I've ever seen. My father said he's screaming at the radio right now telling us. (laughs) (laughs) 2011. 2011. To be fair, I think most of these movies you've never seen all the way through. I, I really do love animated yeah. movies. Okay. I need to okay. go back and watch Cars again because now that I'm looking at this, was that Cars too? So yeah, I, why did I say that? That gave it away. Uh, it didn't. Yes. it didn't. But like, yeah, Man. okay. So they, it's a Cars too. Cars, Cars, Cars two. two in 2011. 2012. 2012. I'm trying to think about grades. I, I really didn't see this movie. 2012 is like eighth grade year. 2012, I would have been. 2012, I was. 2012 would have been my eighth junior, grade. I was in eighth grade in twelfth grade. Somewhere Twi- around there. Oh yeah, 12th I was grade not in twelfth. <laughs> I was in eighth grade. <laughs> I was gonna say, awesome. Am I that older than you? Yeah, no. 2012 was Kelly uh, McDonald, Emma year. Thompson, Ben Connolly star in this film. Oh, Read him again. Sorry. Read him again. Kelly McDonald, Emma Thompson, Bra- Billy Connolly. Emma Thompson. Just a bunch of female leads. Can't think of. It was Inside Out. 
It is Pixar's first. That is that, no, that's a Pixar one, but it's um, it's a, late, a little later. bit later. It's a little Would bit later. Would you like a and hint? It, and it's uh, Amy Poehler is yeah. the main voice. Okay. Twenty twelve. This movie we're looking for. It is the thirteenth movie in the Pixar animation franchise. It is the first Pixar movie that features a female protagonist. Oh, oh, um, um, um. Is it Brave? Th- yeah, Brave. brave. Correct. Brave. I was about to say uh, bold. I, I but thought that was, that was later. I thought about that a minute ago, but I thought it was way later. Huh. 2013. Never seen that. A sequel to a movie that has already been discussed. Monsters, Inc. 2. Monsters University. University. Monsters University. Yeah. yeah. Counts. Counts. I need to go Check. back and watch that. Uh, 2015. Right. It's a good movie. Two movies came out in 2015. One was Inside Out. Yeah. Okay. The second, now we're in I college. never saw Inside Out. Was the Good Dinosaur? Mm. Oh mm. my gosh! There, that, I the, never saw the Good Dinosaur. I did see Inside Out. Shove that one in a November release. I think release. Disney tried to, yeah, <laughs> get rid of that one. Twenty sixteen was Finding Dory. Still, I've never seen that movie, but I, it's good. I want to see it. Recommend. Uh, Twenty seventeen was Cars three. Mm. Never Still saw it. To see that. that one. Never saw Cars three. Uh, Coco in twenty seventeen as well. I started Coco. I've never finished it. Incredibles two. Good. Toy Story 4. Good. Onward. Soul. Yeah. I've never seen that one. Never seen Onward. Have not seen Onward, Soul. And Turning Red. Turning Red, I've heard, is very, very good. Luca and Turning Red are are the uh, ones that just went exclusive to Disney Plus, though. Yeah. Oh, are they? Yeah. COVID year theaters. Oh, yeah. Luca was the COVID year. Turning Red just came out in the theaters. March 2022 was its release. Toy Story 4 had a lot of buildup because it had been a while. And I can't really give you a fair assessment on it because I watched it the day I came home from getting my wisdom teeth out. Mm. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, it looks incredible. Like wit. it's every every time Pixar makes a movie, I'm just blown away by how good their animation is. But you know, I thought it was. I think it's the worst of the Toy Story. Did we movies. say that Monsters Inc. was like number four in the list or number three in the list? Yeah. That's amazing. That yeah. you know the yeah. the animation level that they animated every single one of those like. Hairs, the hairs on, on Sully, body. yeah, and it's like that was so good animation then, and how far they've come to now, yeah. it's yeah. just phenomenal. Pushing boundaries, that's what we were. do. Are you a that's member of Pixar? Do, yeah. <laughs> Pixar call. Us. This is the Personally. Pixar project. Ah, that's what we do. <laughs> Forgot about that. That's what we do. We need to get them as a sponsor then. Hope Brooks, we- yeah. Can we do a very quick abbreviated version of the nightly TV guide? Sure. Is Let's there get any to other it. kind? I hope we took some people down memory lane. I hope so, too. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. 30 seconds on the clock, Brooks. All What's right. on television tonight? Your movie pick for tonight is not Disney Pixar. It's very far from it. It's Logan at 635 on FXM, part Great. of the X-Men series. Uh, it's very, very uh, not Pixar, so don't let your kids watch it. Fantastic movie. What's that guy's name again? Werewolf? Hugh Jackman. Wolverine. Hugh Jackman. Werewolf. Uh, six o'clock on ESPN. New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Stanley Cup playoffs continue tonight. Also at six o'clock on ESPN two. Arkansas and Texas NCAA softball and the Super Regionals get started tonight. Uh, six o'clock on Golf Network. LPGA Tour. Bank of Hope match play. Second day of round robin play continues tonight. And of course six twenty on Bally Sports Southeast. Kyle Wright on the mound for your Atlanta Braves as they look for the game th- or game four win to take three out of four over the Philadelphia Phillies. Thank you very much, Brooks. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. Austin Scott, appreciate you stopping by. We'll see you next week as well. Yes, sir. And Brant Autcher, I'll see you tomorrow. You will. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you again to Connor O'Gara and Jake Crane for joining us here on the program. 
back on the air tomorrow at 3 o'clock. For Brooks Childress, Brant Autry, Austin Scott, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.